Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate feeling very overwhelmed with the number of video games and movies I still need to play and watch this year. So, like, how many? What's what's the running total? Um, I honestly don't have a firm count because there are a lot, um, but there are too many. Too many <laughs> to possibly finish considering there are six months left in the year. Oh, man. There are six months left in the year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's less about, like, keeping track of how many things I still need to play and watch, and it's more, I think I have played four 2018 video games so far, and I've watched, like, maybe eight movies so far this year, and that's not enough for me to be able to talk and write intelligently about them, so I have some work to do. Man. Um, yeah. Well, my name's Kyle. And today, I hate children in movie theaters who have bad parents. Oh, boy. So they just let them run amok. Yep. Um, I have, we'll talk about it a little later. Yep. I've had um, many experiences like this that make me say, like, it is not worth going to the movie theater. It's almost I, not. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice seeing things on the big screen with the surround sound and everything else and being able to see it right when it comes out, but... It's just a bad way to watch movies. People are garbage. Yes. Everywhere 100%. you go. Um, so, wanted to mention real quick that we are fast approaching our one-year anniversary of the Shades Everything podcast. The first, uh, I think it was like the first two or ep- two or three episodes we I published on the same day, on July 9th of 2017. So, next week is our one-year anniversary. So, congrats, everybody. Congrats to you and me, Kyle, for doing it. And yeah. congrats to all the listeners for sticking out for a year. Well, Those you don't know have. if they've been here the whole year. <laughs> yeah. They could be like, you know, like, oh, I listened to the first episode and now I'm just listening to this one. So it's been right. a year. Maybe they like jumped right. on a couple episodes ago. If you have been here the whole time and you have listened to every episode, I think there's one of you and I think your name is Aaron. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> hey, I've listened to every episode. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I haven't actually. <laughs> I listen no, I to about yeah. at least the first, the front half of every episode. Right. I don't right. always make it all the way through because yeah. I have other podcasts I got to listen to, and I've already sure. lived this one, man. No, I, I can't know. spend my life living in the past. Yeah, my thing is. I should do a better job when I'm editing and just listen to the whole thing, but I don't because that's a lot of a commitment to just sit there and listen to it. So I like pick little spots here and there to make sure all the sync's okay and volume's okay. But then I want to I want to make sure I listen to the whole thing casually when I can, just in case something happened that I didn't catch. That way we know for next time, whatever else. Right. So I feel obligated to listen to it. Um, I'm also a huge narcissist, and like I'll watch our old YouTube videos. Like, I don't know. It's 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 like reminiscing, kind of. And this is yeah. like reminiscing to last week, basically. <laughs> when I, listened uh, I was to about it. to say, like, this is, <laughs> this is short-term memory reminiscing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. Holy um, One year, huh? Yeah, I know. It's pretty nuts. I, I mean, yeah, it's cool. It, and it's funny just because the first episodes were about 
E3. And we did it like, uh, it was like a, a month after E3, but that was like, you know what, this makes sense to do our first big topic on E3, just because people are getting introduced to kind of our opinions and our flavor and style and that kind of thing. And now here we are, we just wrapped up E3 of this year, our big E3 extravaganza, three and a half hour monster episode. So it's, it's, it's fun because now... This episode, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about, like that we've been playing and watching and everything oh, yeah. else, because we haven't, we didn't do that last episode. So it's a whole month of video games and movies and comics and shit like that. Yeah, so. it's a whole month of me basically not working and having nothing <laughs> but time. Right, right. And a whole month of me procrastinating starting a new video game and instead playing the same old shit that I've been playing for months. <laughs> 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 so uh before we dive in um i, I wanted to mention because we didn't have time to bring it up last episode so kelly and i have started a meal plan and it i mean i want to say that it's a huge bummer and i hate it i really don't it's not the end of the world it is one of those things where like it's very frustrating to not be able to eat whatever i want to eat and it's super structured so like you eat breakfast and then you get a snack and then lunch and then a snack and then a snack and then dinner and then a snack so it's a lot of small portions throughout the day and there are like 30 different things you can pick for each meal so we've been mixing and matching the past three weeks and the food has mostly been pretty okay it's all like healthier versions of what you might eat normally so i think it was like uh two days ago for dinner we had hot dogs but it was chicken sausage with a little bit of Dijon mustard, a little bit of red onion, and then instead of like sauerkraut or whatever else, cheese and stuff you'd put on top, it's shredded yellow squash, which is like a fruit I didn't – maybe it's a fruit. Maybe it's a vegetable. I a thing I didn't know existed. Yeah, it's like a huge, big – like it looks like a cantaloupe yeah. size. Um, and it was pretty fucking tasty. And it's like really good for you because obviously no bun or anything like that. Yeah, but. squash can be good. You know, they have um – spaghetti squash where it's like noodles made of squash yes we actually that is on the docket for next week okay we're having it's a spaghetti and meatballs but it's made with spaghetti squash and turkey uh ground turkey meatballs okay so like and i don't know what the pasta sauce what that is but i mean it's like the whole kind of focus is about one eating healthier and getting a lot more veggies and fruit but it's also about like calories and so you do this crazy amount of math for like your age and your weight your activity level and then you figure out how much you're trying to lose or if you're trying to maintain your current weight or if you're trying to gain weight because kelly's trying to gain a little bit weight so she's eating a little bit more calories and i'm obviously trying to lose weight as well as work out and so i'm eating like underneath my calories and it was funny the first week kelly went in and did all the math and i don't know what happened in the process but for the first week, I was, like, in pain because I needed more food. I was like, there's no way this is all I'm supposed to be eating. I'm so hungry all the time, and, like, I feel like I'm starving. Not dramatically, but, like, I my body feels like it is being starved of enough nutrients. So I went in and did the math, and sure enough... <laughs> I like not only did I need to get like 300 extra calories a day because I'm getting like 2000 calories a day basically and she was getting giving me like 1700 calories. So not only did I need more calories to do what I wanted to do, but my caloric floor, meaning the lowest amount of calories I should safely be eating was like 1820. 
So she was literally starving me. She was giving me <laughs> less calories than my body has to have. Hey, man, that's just so, married life, dude. Yeah. Just... So um, I did not let her off easy with that one. That's uh, funny. But now we're back to the calories I need. And I've lost like five pounds in three weeks, which isn't like a crazy amount, but it's a good start. So... Yeah, it's not the end of the world. I, I imagined I was going to hate it a lot more than I do hate it. Some of the food has been kind of gross. We did salmon cakes one night that's supposed to be like a lobster cake but with salmon. And it was real gross. Like real, real gross. So, so we're not doing that one again. So, so what what are they like? What, what it's like are, a crab cake. I don't know. Oh, like the, the little pouches of crab meat and the little things or what? I don't know. I guess I don't know what a crab cake is. I mean, it's like a hamburger, but made with crab. So it's got some of the um, breadcrumbs and stuff in it to hold it together. Oh, okay. And so this one's made from salmon. And Kelly made it. I don't. There was other stuff in it, Tara but it was something. Those. Yeah, it was like and she um, uses gluten-free crumbles to hold it together. Sure, sure. So, and crab cakes canned, are good. Was it like canned salmon? Um, I don't like recall. Like pre-shredded canned salmon. That's what she'll buy, and then she does mm-hmm. the breading stuff, and she makes them. And, like, I can have them every now and then, but you definitely get, like, mm-hmm. kind of sick of that flavor if you have it too often. Right. But they're not bad. I, I just – I use them – like, I don't put them on, like, a burger. I, I put them right. – I just put, like, a little bit of barbecue sauce with them or, like, I don't know, A1 or something. Yeah, that's kind of been the biggest adjustment for me because it's, it's le- a decent amount. Because you're using less of that stuff, right? Because yes. that's where you get a lot of additional calories. Yes. Yeah. It's it's not as much sauce. So, like, we have a lot of salads, and they've actually been pretty tasty. There was one that was a it was a it like a spinach and grapefruit salad, which I didn't love as much because grapefruit is so tart. Yeah. But we did one last week that was um, – it was a chicken and spinach with pears. And, like, that was really tasty on its yeah. own. The thing for me is, like, when I eat, I like a lot of sauce. I like a oh, lot yeah. of dressing. Because that's kind of – but that's – like you said, that's where you get a lot of sugar and salt and whatever else. And so well, most of the dressings we use is, like, a little bit of olive oil, some lemon juice, and, like uh, – this one, I think it had, like, apple cider vinegar in it. So it's just, like – but you get, like, a little sprinkle of it. Yeah. And so it's – I don't know. It, it, it's dry, a lot of dry kind of food. Well, yeah, like it keeps, um, it's, when you're doing that kind of thing, it's, you're doing just enough to keep away, like, the bitter greens taste. Yes. You're doing, like, yes. just enough to help stem the tide on that. It's yeah. not, like, what you really want to be eating, you know? Right. Um, and, I mean, and we get cheat days, so, like, every Tuesday okay. at work and kind of in our office park, ta- um, food trucks come. And so that's kind of like my cheat meal uh, on Tuesdays at lunch at work. I get a get food truck. And I try not to go overboard. There's a place, a local place in Atlanta called Tom and Chi, which is basically it's yeah, uh, grilled it it's grilled cheese. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. gourmet so grilled cheese. Yeah, it's gourmet grilled cheese food truck. And I used to go there a lot, and that stuff is so bad for you. Like you can see the grease dripping from it. Yeah. So I won't go there. I'll usually go to like a taco truck and get like chicken tacos and and not get fries and like that kind of thing. So I'm I'm making a little healthier decisions but she also the the lady who made this kind of meal plan she has a whole list of things you can get at fast food restaurants so it's like a list of three or four things you can get from chick-fil-a and like hey if you want to go to chipotle here's what you should order and i'm not following those to the t because like (laughs) when i like the chipotle thing is like half a scoop of rice half a scoop of black beans chicken and pico de gallo and that's it 
And I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to pay okay. $6 for that exactly. stupid fucking burrito. Not, dude, it's like seven fifty. Chipotle has raised their prices Christ. so many times. It's like seven fifty. But what I will do instead is I'm just trying to think healthier. So normally I'll get two scoops of rice. So I'll only get one. Normally, like I won't get the green salsa because that has a lot of salt in it. Um, I normally get extra cheese and I won't do that. So like I'm just doing a little bit of a healthier version on those like cheat meals. But throughout the week and like I've cut out soda. I have <laughs> Kelly jokes about it. So I have soda Sundays. So <laughs> Sunday is when I have a soda. That's my like it's the weekend. It's I get to reward myself and we still get drunk on Saturday. So I'll like have a Red Bull vodka, that kind of thing on Saturday night. But pretty much in the week, I'm only drinking water. I'm not having energy drinks. I'm not having soda. I'm not having coffee. It's just water all the time. And it was, it took like one or two days of me feeling a little bit miserable because I was going through withdrawal, but I feel fine. Like I don't even notice it now when I go to work, I'm just, I'm as alert as I would normally be. And it was funny this past week, um, our product support department had like a pancake breakfast and I was strong enough to resist getting pancakes and like coffee that day. Cause they had like iced coffee lattes and stuff, which sounded amazing. And I didn't go. And then the HR department sent out like a last email 15 minutes before it ended, like last call for pancakes and coffee. And so I went and fucking got chocolate chip pancakes and I hated myself after, but I also, I got a vanilla mocha latte iced. And it was delicious, but I was so fucking jittery the rest of the day because I haven't been having caffeine. It was a really, really bizarre experience. Like, I felt drunk because I was so, like, on the caffeine. It was vibrating. Yes, it was so (laughs) crazy. And I had a bunch of customer calls that I was, like, doing interviews and stuff. And I felt like it was an out-of-body experience, which I know, like, sounds really dramatic. I had a coffee. But it's because I hadn't had any caffeine, really. Or regularly, at least, in like three weeks. And to have that in the morning when I hadn't had that much to eat yet, it was a really bizarre experience. So that's the meal plan. I'll give some meal plan updates. But it's working. I, I mean, I've lost five pounds, which isn't a ton. But we also did like measurements of like my waist and my hips and my chest and arms and all that kind of thing. Because I'm also doing like I'm working out every day. 15, 20 minute workouts every day and to kind of track my progress. And I haven't remeasured myself. I'm going to wait till next week to give it a full three weeks before I see. But Kelly was curious. And so she measured, measured like my stomach area, which is where I hold all my weight. And she says I've lost a couple inches already, which I don't notice it when I look, but that's a lot. Like a couple inches is a lot. Yeah. So hopefully I will continue to see results. I'm going to a friend's wedding at the end of July and I would love to lose another five pounds before I go. So we'll see. So yeah, meal plan. It it sucks. I mean, like yeah. at the end of the day, it, it does suck. Like it. Only because like I want, I love food. I want to be able to eat whatever the hell I want. I want to eat absolute garbage. The problem is though, I don't leave an lead an overly active lifestyle. Like I exercise, but I'm I'm sitting at a desk every day. I still have my standing desk, but I haven't set it up yet. But like, I'm 30 years old. I can't continue to eat fucking garbage every day for the rest of my life i'm gonna get diabetes that's what it comes down to and i don't want that to happen i don't want to have to worry about that when i have kids and when i'm getting older and all this other shit i don't want to have to worry about clogged arteries and heart attacks like that is important to me and so i've already waited too long to actually do something about it and i feel like i'm actually now committed and doing something about it and it feels good it feels energized like, I'm not excited to work out. Like, I'm going to work out when we finish the podcast today. I'm not excited to do it, but I know it's going to make my body feel good afterwards. And that's, like, a positive step. So what have you been doing 
with your non-work time. Because maybe you should adopt a meal plan. No. Since you have all this free time to cook. All right, here's my philosophy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live on this stupid, shitty planet with these shitty people for 80 years. Oh, boy. And I, one thing that I love to do, a lot of life is terrible. A lot of life is just the worst stuff. Um, yeah. I love eating. So yeah. if I get 45, 50 years on the planet eating what I love, doing what I love, that's fantastic. Because I'm not going to have kids. Fuck kids. Okay, but don't you think that's still maybe a little selfish considering you have, like, a soon-to-be wife that might want you to be around for more than 50 years? No, a family dude, that be... might want you to be around for more than 50 years? Well, okay, so let's start with a wife. She's going to be so sick of me. She'll be <laughs> she'll be glad to see me gone. And okay. my family, like, you guys will have your own families. What? So I'm going to have my own kids, so yeah. I'm cool with my only brother dying? Yeah, you'll That's have, your logic? you have other people to occupy your time. Oh, and then boy. you get all my stuff. <laughs> you wouldn't leave it to your wife? Well, like, it, you know, if maybe it's a situation where, because she's not great health-wise. She's got all these problems. I don't know, man. What? No. M- maybe neither not, of us are around all that. <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> conversation ever. so i got really bored and i started hanging stuff um because there are a lot of my a lot of my walls in my house i've been in here for almost a year 11 months almost to the day and a lot of the walls don't have stuff on them like especially in the Mm -hmm. office so i got really bored and hung stuff i have this picture of jeff gersman my friend cody got me for my birthday that he tried this like shandy or something and it tastes really bad so his face is all scrunched <laughs> up he's wearing his world famous shirt and yeah. and what Cody did is he uh, my buddy he put it in the middle and then he put all these different filters and so it's kind of in a right. ring around it in these different filters right. and it looks hilarious so i have that framed on my wall i have <laughs> when he and i had the casuals website i have like our first poster that we had made that we signed and dated uh, mm-hmm. i have that framed and up on the wall I have this giant plastic X-Wing that mom's boyfriend got me at a garage mm. sale. He showed up with it. This thing, it's it's massive. This thing is like, it's like a solid two and a half feet long and like mm. two feet wide. It's this giant plastic thing. And he, sh- he showed up with it one day. He's like, here, I got this for you. And I was like, what am I going to do with this thing? <laughs> and so it's yeah. been sitting in the guest room for a while. I was like, you know what? I'll hang it like, I'll hang it on the wall, like kind of like side on kind of like facing down and Mm -hmm. like like oh sure dangling doesn't stick out doesn't stick out right so i put that up on the wall and then i installed hooks on my wall for my oculus and my oculus touch stuff so those are out of the way away from the possibility of being damaged and hanging on the wall um i also completely reorganized my bookshelves i went through because kara was really mad I don't know why I did it this way, but we moved in. I organized all of our books by author's first name instead of last name. What? I have no idea. I was just Dewey Decimal System. I was bro. just doing stuff, and so I went. I went through. I gave Star Wars its own shelf and Halo its own shelf um, because those are series that have multiple authors, and I want to keep all mm-hmm. those together. But the mm-hmm. rest of the books are organized by author last name. Um, and now we have a. Move some stuff around. We have a shelf dedicated specifically to books we still need to read. Oh, that's um, good. A shelf dedicated to scripts, and then a shelf uh, dedicated to show binders for 
musicals and plays okay. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then a couple for pops and all that kind of stuff. And I, we just kind of shifted some things around. And yeah, so I, that's, I kept myself busy doing that stuff. Um, You're making your house a home. Yeah, 11 months later. <laughs> well, hey, we've lived where we've lived for a year and a half, and I still feel like, eh. But I think part of that's because it's an apartment, yeah. and like I know we're going to be leaving at some point, and so I just don't want to invest money and time into things that are specific for this place, because then yeah. what are we going to do with it once we leave? Right, and there are also like restrictions on what you can do, too. Right, sure. Um, yeah. And like, like knowing, like you could paint your walls, but knowing that you then have to repaint have to them before again. you leave, that's like... Mm-hmm. That stinks. Um, I don't know. Like I fixed a couple things and just been brainstorming stuff that I want to get done. Um, yeah. When we eventually have a bunch of money. Um, <laughs> right. Which brings me to my next point. Uh, budgeting never works. It doesn't work. It just doesn't. Don't is, don't bother. How? Don't bother making a budget if you want a home and two cars. Why? Because, like there's no planning for anything. You can't. You can't. Oh, plan for this shit. just like so, like something bad's gonna happen. Oh, yeah. and it's gonna uh, screw like, it up. It's one after another. Like, but so, but mm, yes, man. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, Karen and I got hit really hard tax season this year um, because yes. her work was not taking out. She told them well, she she had a change of address to our house in Xenia. And she told them, hey, I live in Xenia. I need you to take these taxes out. And so they said, okay, yeah, we'll take care of it. They did not. They, like, forgot. Mm. And so they weren't taking taxes out for the entire year for her, uh, for the city of Xenia. Yeah, it's really bad. So, like, all told, after paying our, um, oh, gosh, CPA, um, it was like like 1,500 bucks in taxes that she and I owed. It was a shitload Mm -hmm. of money. Um, and luckily we had it, but that was like all we had. And then, Mm -hmm. um, so that like cleaned us out and then we started building it back up, building it back up. And then, Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Uh, our heater doesn't work. Um, Mm -hmm. so we got a new motherboard for our our gas furnace. Uh, that's like 500 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's, that's gone now. Okay. Build it back up, build it back up, build it back up. And then, um, uh, my car, (laughs) uh, the radiator just recently, cracked uh mm-hmm. and was not cooling my engine and then apparently also the air intake boot was cracked as well so it wasn't mixing the proper air content with fuel content in my engine so it wasn't mm-hmm. running efficiently so i had to get both of those things fixed that's a you know, thousand bucks gone um and then so uh, also xenia just changed their thing for this year about taxes where if you're not depositing it from your job regularly you have to pay right. quarterly so okay. since Kara thought it was being deposited, why would she worry about that? So she right. wasn't paying quarterly because she thought it was being deposited. But it turns out, and then there was this extra fee of like two hundred bucks that we had to pay. Right. So it was like I was actually like seventeen hundred bucks that we got fucked out of for taxes. And it's just like it. Oh, and then uh, my you know my dog his spine is compressed yeah. in three yeah. places. So that's like another three hundred dollars. It's like we make enough money to live. Yes. But all of this shit keeps breaking. Yes. They don't make anything nice anymore. It just yeah. fucking breaks all the time. And the <laughs> prices don't go down. It's I'm definitely with you. We, we've we been going through that a lot the past like year. Really, like since I actually got a regular job where I was making a livable wage. 
and Kelly has been in the same position. It just, it's always felt like we're making more money, but we're not able to keep it because bad shit keeps happening. I remember when I, when I wasn't working for like nine months, I mean, it was a really dark time for me and like the toughest road in our marriage thus far. Um, Because Kelly was effectively like working two jobs and we were barely making it through. And like, I remember leaving that time when I got a job and then like a bunch of random shit happened where I needed to fix my car and do all this other stuff that we were like spending thousands of dollars in the course of that year. And I was like, this is so unfair that now I finally have a job where I'm making money and we're getting fucked out of it. And Kelly's whole thing was like, okay, but imagine if all this stuff had happened last year right? when you did not have a job. Like, be thankful at least that we are in a position now where having to drop 600 bucks on this thing doesn't bankrupt us, right. you know? And so, I, I mean, to be an older brother, just for a couple seconds, <laughs> when you say just budgeting never works, my thing about that is part of budgeting is putting money in savings for those unexpected problems that I know. happen. And like that's what part I, of when budgeting. I say budgeting never works, it's a right. That's a statement made on frustration, not necessarily right. intended the way it sounds. I I totally understand. Yeah. And it doesn't make those things any less frustrating when they do happen, but those things happen to us a lot. Yeah. Like and ha- still these things happen to everybody. Like these are yes. universal problems. But. but now now that we are in a position where we have savings I mean, and we're saving for a house and we're we're on a really good path to have what we need when that time comes. But when something comes up, like we we had to pay fourteen hundred dollars in taxes this year, and it, that was totally unexpected. We we got money back last year, and this year it was we thought we were going to get a big return because like we had new jobs, whatever else, and we didn't have um uh oh I don't remember what the thing was, but there was something last year that hurt us that we didn't have this year, and we ended up owing a shit ton of money. And so for us it was like like fourteen hundred dollars, but we had it. Like it it sucks to lose that money, obviously. Yeah. But it, it, we didn't even have to like change our budgeting or whatever. We just took that money out of savings, and it sucks to lose it, but it didn't affect our day to day at all. And that I mean, we're very blessed to be in a position now where combined we're making a lot more than we made a year ago, and we our expenses aren't as high as they were a year ago because we've paid off some debts. But like, it definitely still sucks. But part of budgeting is budgeting for those unexpected things. Right. And, like, I finally got my fucking 401k set up. And so I'm losing an extra 200 bucks per paycheck to go to my 401k. And, yeah, that sucks to not have as much money in my savings or whatever else. But your savings account, that money's doing nothing. Right. I mean, without going to the detail of it, I have X amount of dollars in my savings account. It's a decent amount in my savings account. And I get, like, a cent a month in interest. It's like it's nothing. That money is just sitting there for no like doing nothing. And so having a 401k where it can be invested, whatever else. Kelly's like she from her 401k that she had from when she was working at the loft, which was a couple years ago, she has had an increase of over a hundred percent. Her 401k has more than doubled in interest because it's been in the stocks in like two years. That's insane. So it sucks to not have the money, but thinking about the future when those things happen, and especially like I'm 30 now, I should have already been planning for retirement, but I certainly need to start now. Hopefully, we won't be fucked and I won't have to keep working when I'm 70. So the whole system sucks for sure, and those bad things definitely suck, but yeah. It's also easier to say, oh yeah, budget for the unexpected things when you 
don't have to worry about the day-to-day monetary piece. Yeah, and, like, that's the nice thing about where Kara and I are at, especially now yeah. so, because she's starting a new job in a couple of weeks, and she'll she'll make roughly what she makes now, but over the, I think, after the first, you know, six months or whatever time period it is, it could increase by a significant amount. Um, yeah. So that's, like, that's good, and, like, every year that I continue doing stuff at the high school... I get a little more every year and then like mm-hmm. my stipends and stuff are um, partially based upon how much my special needs stuff uh, I make there. So if I make mm-hmm. more there, I make slightly more in the stipends too. Uh, oh, okay. It's not significantly more, but it's a little chunk. Um, so like there's, you know, there's stuff and like we have more rentals than we've ever had. So I'm doing, doing more site managing, which right. is, I mean, it's more stress and time, but it's more money. So like, like we're making it and we're doing okay. And like, with some a lot of these big things that hit back to back, we got a little assistance from family, which was awesome. But it's just like it sucks when it just wipes you. Sure, that's rough. Yeah, the the debts to me is one of the bigger pieces because mm-hmm. like during that time when I wasn't working, like we were living on our credit card, we would not have been able to survive if it wasn't for that. And like just you know student loans and like when I bought my car, we took out a loan, and so all that stuff just like weighs on you for so long. And the little pieces that you can get, get rid of, like I I finished my student loan about like six months ago, and so I'm done with that. I was only paying fifty bucks a month, but just knowing that it was there is like an additional stress and now it's gone. My car loan, I mean, we took out a $10,000 loan over four years and by the time we buy it, because part of buying a house, I mean, as you know, the amount of money that you can borrow is partially based upon your existing debts. Right. And so by the time we're in that position, we're only gonna owe $1,000 on my car. So that is a really good feeling, yeah. knowing that it, a year from now, my car will be paid off and it will be done. And then hopefully it won't explode, but <laughs> then it will be my car. It will we won't have to worry about monthly payments, whatever else. I guess by that time, we're probably gonna have to buy Kelly a new car, but that's a whole other thing we're trying to figure out. But like, that credit card debt is the worst part because the interest rates are so yeah, crazy that's high. Especially insidious. Yes. And so like we're working on that. We're not like we have money that we could use now to pay off most of it, but then we'd be wiped and it wouldn't be done paid off. Like we wouldn't completely pay it off. So it's still there. So we're trying to figure out I know there are like not like debt consolidation, but you can do like a debt transfer if you open up a new account with a bank and you can transfer that to a new credit card or whatever where you pay no interest for a year and that would we'd be able to pay that off within that year if we got a little more aggressive so we're still looking into that and i say that we've been looking into it for like a couple months and we're just really lazy and it stresses us out to think about but uh (laughs) we need to we need to get that shit done because we want to buy a fucking house and i don't want to get less money to buy a house because we have this big credit card problem right so Money, man. Money. Makes the world go around. Sort of. (laughs) Yeah, in a bad way. Yeah, in a bad way, exactly. Um, Yeah. Well, speaking of budgeting, how's the uh, wedding preparations going? Yeah, so um, we kind of have, like, the last little bits wrapped up in terms of um, securing, like, what we need. And, uh, mm-hmm. and all the people and, you know, kind of getting all the puzzle pieces into place. Um, so we've picked a rehearsal dinner spot, uh, BJ's Brew House. 
mm-hmm. and um, dad's going to come over this week and we're going to go out and kind of talk to them in person about it. I have a Sweet. rough idea of what it costs and I have one of their information pamphlets and Karen and I have looked at it and we kind of know what we want. It just, you know, whether or not it's going to really work, a couple extra questions to ask them. Um, so getting that tied up and then, um, uh, bu- 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 oh, uh, my, my buddy Eric, who's going to be officiating as mm-hmm. a monk because it is a mm-hmm. medieval renaissance wedding um he he's gonna be dressing up he's actually he's gonna make his own monk's robes okay he, he bought his rope sandals at the ren fair last year and he's gonna be making his own monk's robes which he's very excited about apparently <laughs> um he's gonna be coming over on the fourth of july and we're gonna kind of spend all day going through like the script with him and and how everything's gonna work and then right. kind of actually because we, we still have to get him officially ordained but you can do it online so we need to like actually do that on Wednesday as well. Um, so we're wrapping that up, and I th- like everything else is like already in place. Um, nice, mom. Uh, f- one of her friends, um, along with another guy, brews uh, beers and stuff. Um, and so I really want like a really traditional. This is more, more so um, like a Celtic thing. But mm-hmm. um, mead was very big during weddings. Mm-hmm. Like they would pass around a giant mead bowl, and everyone would sip from it. We're not going to do that because it's unsanitary. It's gross. <laughs> but we will have mead. He's actually brewing mead for the first time. It's a honey mead. Sweet. Um, and mom tasted it before it was it had fermented, um, and she said it tasted really, really, really good because it's basically mm. like honey. Like it just tastes right. like you're drinking liquid honey. Um, and so that's going to like ferment, and apparently it's going to be eighteen to twenty two percent when it is finished wow <laughs> <laughs> so well, i think that's what we're going to use for the toast okay. um and then whatever's left over people can go up and get some more um limit one per customer uh <laughs> so <laughs> like that's that's coming together and yeah i don't know Karen and i we need to like the last thing now really for us to do is sit down and talk through how the whole day is going to work and like the exact process of everything mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's around the corner man it's let's i see. know it's like four it's months a little over August four months right oh, jesus yeah i know that's fine <laughs> i still need to get my uh my clothes for it because i'm going either today or tomorrow i'm going to finally get my suit for my buddy steven's wedding which is okay. at the end of the month in chicago and then after that i'm gonna go and get all the stuff i need to get from for your thing um uh, and, you uh, should order your shirt ASAP because they can take a while to get here. That long, really? Yeah, they apparently they right. can take like up to three or four weeks to get here, and then if okay. there's something wrong with it, you know, right? Because it's coming from okay. the UK. I'll do that this weekend then. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was from UK. Um, yeah. So I, I still need to figure out what else I want to wear because obviously, like, I'm the best man. I'm your brother. I gotta, you gotta have a little extra good. swag. Yeah. You gotta have. So, you gotta have a sword. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know that I want to carry around a sword. Right, maybe like a dirk, a dagger or something. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll think about it. But Kelly said there's a really cool – it's like a costume shop, but it's like a fancy one. And so she wants us to go there one weekend coming up and see if we can get like a cool vest or something for me to wear. Okay. Uh, yeah, because Kelly else. already I, has her um, bridesmaid stuff, right? I don't know if she has the dress yet. Okay. I know she knows what she's supposed to get because Kara gave them that info, right. but I don't know if she's um, if she's got it, gotten it yet. Okay. I was talking to mom about it, but um, yeah, because like I um, 
I kind of want to get my required stuff for you first, like the shirt and the pants and everything. That way I can make sure whatever I get's gonna gonna go with it. So right. I'll do that this weekend. I need to finally finally take care of I'm like taking care of a lot of that that stuff. And not that it's like not that I don't want to do it, obviously, but it's, it's just it's like the chores, yeah. like almost you know what I mean? Like errands. I hate I just hate doing <laughs> errands on the weekend because it's like that's when I want to relax, but that's what happens when you're an adult. You go to work, you come home, you make dinner, you work out, you go to bed, and then on the weekends you do all your errands that you couldn't get done during the week. Life is pain. Are you basically. fishing? Are you finished with those errands? <laughs> yes, SpongeBob, I am finished with those errands. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> well, okay, speaking of um, trying to do fun things, let's talk about what we've been playing and watching and reading lately. Yes. So. I guess the best place to start, since we've been doing this together, is Destiny Two. Yeah, and we played some if, some Destiny. If you have not heard why we're back into Destiny Two, listen to last episode's E3 whatever breakdown. We talked about Forsaken and whatnot, and um, Kyle tricked me. I did picking up all the Destiny Two DLC because it was You've, on sale. You have been bamboozled. Yes, the siren song of Destiny has. <laughs> enraptured me and is now dragging me back down into the depths of boredom um <laughs> so we've played through the curse of osiris dlc the story missions yeah you played through it twice actually well like I, what was well, your general yeah. takeaway of that uh, you, you're shooting stuff you're, you're, <laughs> those heads explode in wisps right. of smoke yeah i i it, it felt like a Destiny campaign to me. There were there were yeah. like some fun moments, and I really loved all, all of the visuals and the ideas. Yeah, but the actual like story execution was just not all that interesting. And to give full full like disclosure, we were talking and joking around the whole time. It's not like we were fully engaged in getting the narrative. Yeah, but there's but, a reason for that. Yes, totally, <laughs> totally. I'm just saying we didn't like. I might feel a little bit differently if I had played it solo, where sure. I'm actually paying attention to the cutscenes and stuff. But it didn't grab us, and that's kind of the reality of it. Um, so I don't know. I, like it was, it was fine. I've had more fun doing all the post stuff, just like the leveling up. I mean, you and I played the other day for a couple hours, and we just grinded because there's a faction rally going on. Yeah. So we just grinded out shit. Like gotta get those new we, monarchy tokens. Yeah. We went to a planet and did some of the world events so we could build our renown, renown and then which makes it in by yes, doing exactly. a, a lost sector. Right. And you get the tokens and you turn the tokens in and then you increase yeah. your rank and you get the engrams with the stuff to break down, to pump yeah. in your other stuff, to rank up oh, yeah. the stuff to make the numbers yeah, baby. go up, to make uh -huh. more stuff and then it uh -huh. just keeps yeah. going. And then you yeah. shoot stuff and it feels great <laughs> and then you're so bored. So bored. <laughs> yeah, it, I actually played like two nights ago because when we were playing, there was one special thing for the faction rally where we could get an ornament for our dudes. And in order to get that, you had to hit a certain rank and then you had to do a, a particular lost sector, yeah. which is like a little mini. It's not a raid, but it's like a little mini um, hidden hard area. 
And so we went and did yours and then we did mine and then come to find out we didn't do mine because we did the wrong one in that area. <laughs> and so I went back the other night and just did it myself. Okay, you did. And okay. so I got my little ornament. And then after I did that, I was like, I'm already playing Destiny. Might as well keep playing Destiny. Because <laughs> that's how it works. Like once you're in there, you're just stuck in the game for hours. The only reason I stopped is because I, I told Kelly I would make dinner and it was like 8 p.m. And she was getting angry, so I stopped <laughs> playing Destiny. But it's just, it's that loop. Yeah. And I think it all comes down to they have done a really good job in the short term of incentivizing just one more thing. Yeah. Just 15 more minutes. That part of it's really good. The long scale of leveling up and repetitive content, that they have not learned how to fix yet. But just in the in the minute areas, in the in the single play sessions, they're really good at keeping you engaged. And then the second part is it just feels good to play. Like all the weapons are awesome, which is a whole other thing where like I'm getting all this new this new gear. And so I have all my old gear from like launch Destiny 2 where like the current my current light levels like 343 or whatever and all my old shit's like 280. And so it's like what do I do? I'm getting all these new guns. I don't know if they're good or not if I'm going to like them. I'll just infuse them. I'll keep all my old guns because I know I like those. And because everything's kind of the same, like all the weapons are pretty, like there's, all the weapons are just good to shoot, just period. And so there's not a ton of incentive to like test different weapons out. You kind of just find the ones that you like and you might as well stick with them because there's not going to be a huge difference in the other ones that you get. Right. Um, So I don't know. It's, It's just one of those games that, it's really easy to lose time, and if you're bored, it's a really easy thing to do. Like, I'll probably play for today for an hour or two, and I want to be careful because this happened to me last year, and really it's happened every year since Destiny released, where, like, that's my thing. If I am bored, but I don't really want to commit to, like, starting a new video game or something or watching a movie, I'm like, oh, I'll play Destiny for an hour instead. And then I end up playing Destiny for three hours, yeah. and it's just like killing time. Yeah, but then I'm not like you, you in never love. wind up starting something new. You exactly. just always go back and play Destiny instead. I do exactly. the same thing with. Uh, I've been like really bad about this with uh, Fallout, and then in the past, Unturned. I mean, I have mm-hmm. like 500 hours in Unturned because of that right. reason. It was all like in one and a half to two hour increments. Like I would right. have a base in Unturned, and I'd go do a run around the city, come back, store the stuff add like a piece of the house that i was missing with all the scrap metal i got and then log off it was like an hour i would just do that like yeah. every day um yeah. and so like, but i, I, I guess do the same thing the difference is with unturned is that a game that like you really love playing like you're excited to go play it or is it a i want to kill an hour i'll play some unturned because I know you did love Unturned at the time, but you've played so much of it now. Is it still exciting to play, or is it a time waster? Well, I don't. I haven't gone back to it in a while. Okay. Um, I've been doing Fallout Four instead, and that's more of a yeah. time waster. Because that's a bit of the difference for me. Because like I'm still playing through Pokemon Heart Gold, the PC ROM, and like there's a little bit of a time waster thing with that. But I legitimately enjoy my time with that game. It's not that I don't like Destiny, but my reason for playing Destiny is let me kill some time. Yeah. I'm not like excited to go play Destiny. Um, I don't know. It's it's just a weird game for me. Because I'm not engaged, I'm not a hardcore Destiny person, but I'm also not a casual Destiny player because I'm way more engaged in the like inner workings and systems than a person who plays once a week for an hour with buddies. But like, I don't know, it's just weird. And I think part of it comes down to I don't have that many people to play with. And so if I'm not going to play with you, 
I'm just going to do random bullshit by myself. Right. And, like, if I play with you, we might do some... Like, we were going to play Warmind the other night, and we didn't. We did bullshit instead. And it was still fun. But I think part of the... The reason it was more fun is because we were playing it together. Yeah, If it was by myself, I would have been like, eh, who gives a shit? Yeah, well, and it was a lot easier because we were playing together. Because when you get that renown up to five ticks, it takes, like, 40 seconds for your health to regenerate. And well, and you do less you damage. Do less damage enemies, enemies do more damage to you. Yeah, yeah. They they mess you. It up. It makes it tough. I like one of my it's favorite just... moments from that was we were trying to get those like last points or whatever, and all of those enemies kept pouring in, and yeah. like I had I got my sword out that I had just gotten, and like <laughs> I had just like a sliver of health, and somehow I wasn't taking any damage. There were all these yeah. enemies. And I was just like swinging around with my sword, <laughs> like please God regenerate my freaking health, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. And there's still like there are a lot of those moments, those like really cool, mm-hmm. fun multiplayer shooter kind of moments that happen, even when I'm playing by myself. Like every once in a while, a really random cool thing will happen, yeah. And that that helps that loop. And like you know, getting the exotics and it's just yeah, it's one of those like just the little it hangs on to you. Those little strands just keep attaching itself to you and making you want to play just fifteen more minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's a well designed game, but it's also a poorly designed game <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's so, it's frustrating because it's so close to being yes, like one of the 100%. best games. And I still don't know how they haven't nailed the extra pieces. And maybe it's just because from the get-go they did it the wrong way. Yeah. And it's so hard to course correct now. I just – I don't know. And I look at the Forsaken. I need to do some more research, frankly, on the in in and outs of Forsaken. Because I haven't – like when I saw all of the announcements about it, it was still for me as an outsider of Destiny. And now that I'm back into it, I have kind of a different perspective. So I need to go look and see – all the changes that they're making again and see if they seem like good ones or not. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I mean, I'm, I'm back in it now. I, I bought the DLC. I'm going to buy forsaken. I'm back in destiny. Same. We'll see how long it sticks this time. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> Next episode. Yeah. Destiny sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, it does suck. Like I'm saying that now and I'm even, I'm still in the honeymoon phase and I'm saying it sucks. Yeah. Um, so, so you- what else, what else have you been playing? Sure. Oh, God. I've been playing a lot of shit. But we so, don't need to go through your whole list. I'll jump in with some of my stuff. Yeah, too. yeah. So, uh, Fallout 4 with mods. Um, right. I played that game a lot, and mm-hmm. I always get to the point where I'm, like, level 30, 40, and I'm, like, 30 or 40 hours in. Um, and it's just a really slow, slow grind. Like, I'm doing mm-hmm. quests and stuff, but they're quests I've done before, and I'm not getting sure. as much XP like, relative to my level. So it's just taking forever. And, like, the problem with Fallout 4, the whole perk system, is that there are perks that you just need because they're just quality of life things, like the encumbrance and then fast traveling when over encumbered. You know, like, if yeah. you want to engage with the settlement stuff, you have to get, like, the the, may- the mayoral yeah. perks and stuff like that. And, like, there's, like, oh, I'm, I use handguns. I should get the one that does, like, 20% more pistol damage. Like, no shit. Um, like, it just makes the game easier and more it's more fun um, because you, you're doing more damage. Um, so I don't ever experiment with, like, the weird perks. Like the... Okay. Um, like the idiot savant perk that gives you, like, a right. random bonus XP thing or, like, the mysterious stranger or... Do like oh you get more bottle caps from containers and stuff like right. that. I never do that kind of stuff because um, I'm so focused on like oh I have to do more damage and I have to have more damage resistance. So I found a mod 
that uh, is just an XP multiplier. It's just mm-hmm. like you can get times two, times three, or times five XP. So I started, oh, it's like randomized? Yeah, just like any XP you get, it multiplies it. Um, hmm. I started out with times three, and I did that until about level 30, and it just still wasn't fast enough. So I got the times five, and then I also fully specced into the Idiot Savant perk, so right. which also gives you times more. five. So yeah. now when those two things trigger, I get times 25 <laughs> XP of vanilla XP amount. That's pretty good. So I'll admit, when I turn in quests, I do quick save scum. Um, <laughs> oh, because no. the Idiot Savant, it just procs. Like, it's just a right. random thing. So you can just quick load and quick save like quick load over and over and over again until it procs and it hits. Um, so I'll do that, and sometimes I'll get like 12,000 XP for a quest. <laughs> and that's such a good feeling. I can't do even find explain. That is it trivializing it for you, though? Like, no, be- are you because like, so I've played the game so much before. I'm yeah. now, like, I have all those gun perks and the damage resistance perks. Now I have like, oh, literally every container in the game has at least like eight or nine bottle caps in it like there are no empty containers they just have bottle caps in them um Mm -hmm. it's like there's stuff like that and then like oh the mysterious stranger pops up in vats now and i can now breathe underwater which i never got that perk before or like i have all these radiation perks where like when i get radiated it heals me and then i have like more stuff specced where like my radiation just heals over time and then okay. so my health just regenerates over time, and it's, like, it's amazing. And I have, yeah. like, max radiation energy and damage resistance. But now I'm, like, level 70-something, and mm-hmm. the enemies, like, I've gotten to a near, new tier of armor I've never reached before. Like, the heavy stuff. I've never gotten hmm. heavy armor type before. Um, I, it's because it's, like, there's regular, there's a slightly better version of the regular, then there's, like, sturdy... I think, and then it goes to heavy. Um, Hmm. And it's, like, a new type of armor I hadn't encountered before that has, like, higher damage resistances and stuff and looks different and is bigger and bulkier Um, and, like, takes up more carry weight, obviously. But, yeah, so it's just, like, just having fun, man. But that's what I'm saying. Like, is the game too easy now? No. Because of all this? So, well, because I'm playing... I named my guy Thor, and Mm -hmm. I'm playing a melee build. Um, oh boy! So, like, I just I run in and I just fucking <laughs> smack shit with my super sledge. It's yeah. a good feeling. Um, I guess that's that's the problem with because I would love to play Fallout Four with mods on PC. My PC would not be able to handle Fallout Four for one, and my mouse and keyboard shooting skills are not good enough to have fun with it for two. But if I was able to play it, I'm sure it would be much like with Skyrim, where there are so many amazing weapon mods that I want, and like magic and Skyrim and whatever else. But in Fallout, like so many pistols and assault rifles and bazookas and melee weapons that I want to use everything. And there's just too much to be able to use everything. That would be my fear. But you're not... Like, how many mods are you currently using right now? Uh, oh, okay. A lot. It's, it's, I thought it's I, like 60. From, from when, okay, that's not that many. I mean, I don't know when I was playing Skyrim, when I was doing my Let's Play, I got up to, like, in the 120s. Which I know is bad. That's my game bad. was crashing. I should not have done that. Yeah. But again, there's so there are too many things that I want to do. Too many weapons I want to use. Yeah. And followers and everything else. And I, I'm using, like, the 4K textures... Um, and then I'm also Ugh, using jealous. a um, like a graphics overhaul that uh, makes everything greener, like right. everything is more lush looking 
Uh, yes. Like there's more grass and there's everything and like a lot of the trees have leaves and stuff. Um, and it's like that's I watch nice MXR too, too, Kyle. Yeah, I know you do. I'm the one that puts you on to MXR. <laughs> I know about the lush green. I know. Bug. No, I, yeah. There, I think there are a couple. There's actually one of those. I think it's actually on the PS4 version because I think I downloaded it, and it's more about seasonality. Yeah. So it makes everything more lush, but the seasons play. So in in the spring it's green, the summer it's a little browner, in the fall like it, it's a lot of like reds and oranges and stuff. So yeah. that one seems pretty cool. And like I'm still discovering stuff about the game I had never known. Like if you go to Diamond City on Christmas, it's decorated with Christmas lights. I didn't yeah. know that. And like there's a Christmas yeah. tree, and then because mm-hmm. there I didn't know that because like. I found out because there's a mod that is, um, it's like this basically this really, really good assault rifle that has a bunch of different skins and modifications that you have mm-hmm. to go find magazines for across the wasteland. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's a good excuse to go travel to places I hadn't been before. And then also, like, there's a special variant of it um, that does, like, ice damage or cold damage. Um, and it's in a uh, basically like a Christmas present box in Diamond City only on okay. Christmas. So, you have to, like, okay. go there on Christmas and get it um so i waited for a month and a half one day at a time <laughs> in diamond city right until christmas and then uh that was like an hour long just <laughs> just waiting scroll up to 24 <laughs> hours hit enter wait watch yeah. a video 30 <laughs> seconds later scroll up to 24 go is yeah something so fallout 4 That's funny you know what a lot of people uh, you're making me want to play fallout 4 a lot of people hate but on the that problem game. is yeah oh it's my game of the year in 2015 it's a great game i love that game but I feel like it because if I was going to go play it, I would go play it on PS4 again, which I actually did start a modded version of it several months ago. But there just aren't that many great mods on PS4 because right. it's the, it's not like Xbox where you can do whatever you want. There's all those limitations for vanilla assets. And so I just wasn't getting that much out of it. And I think that disappointment in the mods was making me less engaged in the game. So I, I might just like go back and start a new game, just like regular, unmodded, just regular Fallout Four, because yeah, that game Fallout is amazing. 4 is as still it is. really good. Yeah, just because I would love to play. I mean, it's certainly not as fun the second time around with a lot of the quests, but the game is so like that world is so amazing to live in. I mean, it's I would put it on. I don't like the gameplay or the story as much as I did Skyrim, but I would put the world and stuff like that on just as high a bar as Skyrim. Totally. Yeah. So. Um. So playing quite a bit of that um i started detroit become human with kara Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um she's playing and i'm watching and we like it so far we haven't gone back to it in a while though and i'm not sure why i think it's just because she always wants to play stardew valley co-op instead (laughs) okay yeah um so we just do that um we just started year two in stardew valley co-op um Mm -hmm. i picked up pokemon omega ruby on my 3DS. well wait wait tell me tell me what? a little bit about D- detroit though like i want to hear like what your impressions are at least of the early like how far are you guys i don't really have a good barometer for how far we are we're like six or seven scenes in i i guess i could say and i, I don't okay. know i don't know how far that is in the grand scheme of things um, have you met like all three of the characters yeah I've, I've met all three of them and i think i've had like two sessions with each of them Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the characters. I think okay. the only one I don't like is, um, or I, I don't like as much. I like Connor and Kara. Connor's like the detective guy, and Kara right. is the like little house servant. Um, right. And then Marcus, I think his name's Marcus. The guy who he's like the revolutionary or whatever. Yeah, he's, he's the woke android. Yeah, he's the android that belongs to the painter. Um, 
played by an actor that I like. I can't remember the name of. Um, Marcus's, I think, performance is a little inconsistent, but part of me thinks it's kind of on purpose hmm. because he he is an android, but he has, he has these like moments of humanity, these like mm-hmm. little pieces that shine through, and so mm-hmm. I think the inconsistency is on purpose. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's that's a hard one to kind of discern and i think the guy who who plays connor does a really good job of being the android Um, right he does a really good job and then Kara, i didn't think her androidness was all that great but when she breaks out and like does her humanity thing i think her performance gets a lot more strong um a lot more solid but i think it has like it has a really really good supporting cast honestly so far i think the writing is really good it's like the conversations feel really natural um i i I don't want to speak to the tackling of the subject matter because I haven't finished it yet. Um, I will say, yes, the androids ride in a separate compartment in the back of the bus. Say what you will about that. Um, I don't find that to be stupid like a lot of people do. I think Mm -hmm. that, like, yes, that makes sense. Like, that they would have their own compartment on this, like, civilian bus system. Because they would mm-hmm. have to be brought around with their like people or whatever, but you know they have their own like recharging compartment kind of place. So, and like I don't know, Pe- people people hate David Cage, and people love to make fun of David Cage because he has these highfalutin ideas and these like big like conceptual things that he wants to uh, get across and work through, and these statements that he wants to make but he never really he never really gets there um, yeah or he he sometimes can be a little tone deaf and i think but i i i i, I think if you judge the his games solely on that sure but there's so much more there to them like from a even just like a technical perspective like these right. games are technically amazing yes. they're masterworks yeah. people um, people get caught up and they like to make fun of, and i do too like to make fun of his themes yes and like the writing and kind of the, how on the nose it is like i look at him and and, the, and again that's subtle. saying nothing of yes that's saying nothing of the technical execution the motion capture he's able to to, to put together right. that kind of thing which is all really great i think a lot of the ideas in terms of gameplay are innovative i don't think all of them are that engaging but they're certainly unique and cool in in, yeah. in, in like in idea for me like i look at him like he's like a millennial in that like he would change his twitter name to hashtag black lives matter and then tell everyone how he's fighting racism like it's that kind of thing we're like it's shallow. It's like a shallow approach to bigger problems. And it is what it is. Like, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's more like he kind of grandstands and holds himself as this, like, person who's telling all these really important, meaningful stories and games. And that I just don't think is true. That's why it's, like, fun to make fun of him. Because it's like, he thinks he's more important than he is or he's doing something better than he is i don't know i don't know that i necessarily agree with using the term grandstanding towards him because i don't like i don't 
like yeah, he 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 talks about these themes and stuff in his games, but I don't think I've I've never seen like an interview with him or a public appearance with him where he comes out and says like this is going to blow you away. This is going to change the way you think about racism and think right. about these themes and like what we have to say is so important. He never does that. I mean, yeah, I, that's true. Like you could say like the games take themselves very seriously, but I think that's a product of the team being really proud of what they're making. Um, and I think they should be, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get into a whole big debate about, like, defending David Cage and stuff, but I think, I just think people are too hard on him, and by extension, his games, also by extension, his team. Um, I, I definitely see a lot of people that dismiss his stuff out of hand and say what he is doing is a detriment to that progression, and that I think is ridiculous. Like I know yeah. after Detroit came out, like a lot of I, a lot of the more pro, quote unquote progressive, the more liberal video game outlets like Kotaku, Polygon, whatever else, Waypoint would talk about how like this is actually hurting progression in games and progressiveness in games. And I'm like, that's a fucking stupid argument. Yeah. So, that's so that stuff, I'm totally with you on. I like like I have nothing against David Cage. I don't particularly like his games. For me, it's more making fun of the the like the and it's not. You're right. It's not about him coming out and saying like this is the most progressive game ever. Like this is so meaningful. But just the, it's like the implication of it. Like Detroit Become Human is obviously an analogy for racism, and it's like his game is saying racism is bad. Like fucking duh. Like you're not saying anything. That's more what is funny to me. And, like, I'm not trying to be, like, in a mean way. I'm not judging him for it. Because it is. Racism is, in fact, bad. But, like, the weight that he puts on kind of outdated liberalism, that's more what it is for me. Where I kind of just roll my eyes a little bit. Outdated liberalism. I like that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I think that's, like, I think that's a really good way of describing it. Yeah. I make fun of him a lot more to you because I know you're a fan. And so that's yeah. just fun. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing it in a mean-spirited way. It's more just to kind of get under your skin. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I like, so, like, what I have seen so far has been very impressive. And Kara and I are enjoying the ride. Because that's what his games are. Sure. They're like a ride. Right. Um, a, a, an interactive experience. Well, that's good. I know you're really looking forward to it, so I'm glad you're enjoying it. Did yeah. you did you play Beyond Two Souls? No. So okay. um, that was a free PlayStation Plus game. So right. I have it. I have not played it yet, though. Yeah. I've heard some quite negative things. Yeah, about that, that one game. more so than any of his others. I feel like that one's kind of looked at as being the bad, the worst. Yeah, and I guess game. I I don't know why that is, but I guess I'm going to find out at some point. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, and you know, maybe I'll totally disagree with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I got Pokemon Omega Ruby on my 3DS, so uh, I think like Ruby and Sapphire are, gosh, a real close second in terms of my favorite generation of Pokemon. Like it's that and Gen One. So Gen Three and Gen One are like my two favorite generations. Wow, Gen Three is that close to Gen One? Really close, huh? I think it has to do with the color saturation. Oh, so not about the Pokemon. It's about the games. No, also the Pokemon. Huh. 
Huh. Just because like they would, they look really good. Okay, sure, sure. It, I would it, need it to go back and play it. It was the first time we had seen Pokemon in, in a more game vibrant that, color. Yeah, in a more vibrant color and like with those sharp lines, they just looked really good. And so like, yeah, that they weren't all ever in my brain. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and, uh, and so for for me, like that that generation is is awesome. It's also the first generation of Pokemon I played on the first console I ever bought, which is a Game Boy Advance SP. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Omega version of Ruby makes some kind of interesting f- changes. Like, there's a lot of really great features. Like, um, uh, there are more powerful versions of Pokemon that are that will randomly pop up in grass. So, like, this little alert thing on the bottom screen will pop up, and if you tap it, it kind of shows you how close you are, and you can hear a Pokemon rustling. And there's like a hmm. shadow poking up out of the grass, and as you get closer. You can kind of see, like, okay, what level is it? Uh, a lot of the times those Pokemon are higher levels or they have mm-hmm. a different starting move or a different trait, like a that's rare cool. trait. Um, yeah. So, like, that's really, really cool. Uh, and, like, that makes the catching and the hunting of Pokemon more exciting. Yes. Um, and, like, have How common is that? Rewards. How They're often does that happen? They're pretty common. Like, okay. it, you could run around an area for about 10 or 15 seconds and one of them would pop up. But okay. you have to, like, sneak up on it. Yeah, which yeah is it's like a longer process. Barely move the circle pad and you kind of tiptoe towards mm-hmm. it. So, like, if you if it's one you d- clearly don't want, then you can just, like, move normally. It'll go away. Right. Run around a little bit more. A new one will pop up. Um, they have EXP share, which is so critical because it levels your whole team no matter what Pokemon oh, so- is out. So wait, the Pokemon who is out gets a portion, like gets half the experience, and the other half is meted out to all the rest of your Pokemon. And that's just how it is all the time. No, you can turn it on and off. Interesting. It's an item that you get like after the first gym badge or something. Okay. Because um, I mean, they had experience share in the old games, but it was, it was one, one held Pokemon. item for a Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. Um, Where they just got half of it. Yeah. This is a function that you turn on and Interesting. off. Interesting. Um, okay. I'm not is, sure if I would like that or not. I, I really like it because because it's a game I've played before, kind of with the same with the Fallout thing, where I can now, it feels like I'm progressing so much more quickly. Like, my mm-hmm. team is leveling at such a rapid pace. And they also do the thing from Gold and Silver where you can rebattle trainers. Um, right. They don't, like, advertise who you can rebattle, but if you go talk to them again, most of the time, most of them will let you fight them again. And it's like, you can fight them, like, do, every day. I need day. to do that. Cause I don't, cause I have, cause in, cause I've been playing Heart Gold, obviously, and I get the fucking phone calls from these trainers all the damn time, and they just want to tell me about how they barely missed catching a Metapod. <laughs> and I, so I just, I don't pick up the phone. I screen my Pokemon Heart Gold phone calls from other trainers, and so I haven't gotten a single one where it's like, hey, come back and battle me. But I should just go back and start talking to people, and I don't know if they changed it for Heart Gold too, where they'll just fight you again if yeah, you talk know. to them. I thought you could only do it when they called you, but I might be remembering wrong. I don't anyway. know. Um, yeah, but this one, like... Uh, so, the biggest change I have found so far is Mauville City, because that was the city with the third gym badge, the electric gym leader. Okay. Um, with a gym that has the switches that you got to go push, and it changes right. the electric fields. Um, so, this is now no longer a town. It's like a giant shopping mall, mm-hmm. which is super weird. Like there's a big there's an upper there's an upper story that's like a rooftop garden you can go and run around in, um, and then there's like a middle courtyard, but then there's all these different shops around. And they did the thing that they had in Sun and Moon, which was um, there are these like Pokemon battle cafes, and you can like go yeah. to a cafe and you order a meal, 
and you have to try and fight trainers and beat them within a certain number of turns so you can still eat the meal when it's hot. Okay. Um, and, and, like, you get, like, a bunch of money from it, basically. Um, so, like, that's been fun. That's been cool. Um, so, like, there are some of those around. There are all these different shops for different types of moves. And, like, they have this – there's a Pokemon in – I think it was X and Y. I don't remember what it was, but you could, like – it was like the big Pokemon that everyone like put their decorations on and stuff. Uh-huh. It was like a competition as like who could have the cutest one of these. Um, I hated that mini game. Yeah, there's that again, um, and also Ruby and Sapphire implemented the the Poke contest, the po- Pokemon contest right. thing. That. I did that in in Heart Gold and thought it was very not fun. Granted, I was yeah. also playing it on a ROM, so it was harder to do the like touchscreen stuff. Oh yeah, but I was like, this is so tedious. So I'm not doing this ever again. Right, like so it has the Poke Blocks and then like feeding the Pokemon right. the Poke Blocks and all that stuff. It has all that. I haven't engaged with any of it because it's stupid. Uh, I don't care about it. But um, yeah, it's a really good time. And um, there's an item called the L- Luck Incense, I think. And if a Pokemon is holding it and they participate in a battle, you get mm-hmm. double the money from the battle. So I currently have $180,000, especially because like every day you can go back and rebattle all these trainers. And mm-hmm. I'm getting like a couple thousand every battle because I have that item equipped on the Pokemon in the lead. Um, so, yeah, that's been dope. So I have a ton <laughs> nice. of money. So like at some point I'm going to go buy like a bunch of proteins and right. HP ups and HP stuff ups. And beef yeah. my dudes up um, but yeah that's, that's a lot of fun and I'm using Pokemon I haven't used before like I did the right. I did Trico as a starter and every Trico which was a totally just a huge mistake because there are like no fire Pokemon in the game I should have done Torchic again because Blaziken's Torchic really I was trying to remember what the, the starting guys were yeah Torchic Mudkip and Ruby Trico and Sapphire Mudkip, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like Plusle, right? Was that that yeah, generation? Yeah, Plusle and I'm trying yeah. to remember playing that game. Electrike, Gulpin, Lotad, right. Nuzleaf, Seedot, Shroomish. Yeah, I yeah, I really... Uh, was Aeron or whatever yeah, in that one? Aaron, the Steel Guy? Sableye. I really like that generation too. Yeah. yeah, that generation is really, really good. Makuhita, the fighting Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. And then I like that off. one. I like that one more, I think, than the Gold and Silver, the new Gold and Silver Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, still for me, the original 151 is like really far ahead. But Ruby and Sapphire was very good. Yeah. I was I was not remembering all those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just, just to like jump really in. Good designs. Since we're already talking about Pokemon, and I've already brought up Heart Gold, so still playing that. Obviously, I now I actually just loaded it up so I could double check. I think I have. No, I don't want to save the game. I think I have um, eight or seven badges. Yeah, I've got seven badges already. Nice. But my guys are only level thirty-five because since it's heart gold, like it's the there two are versions of badges. It. Yeah. So you, yeah, you get through it way faster. But um, what what guys am I rocking now? Because part of my problem was early on in the game, so many of the new Pokemon suck. Like they're just generic normal types that I ended up falling back on using a lot of the old guys like Geodude and whatever else. So I, I started with Cyndaquil, so I've got my Quilava, Hypno, um, 
and then I I force myself to use Noctowl. So once I get okay. another Pokemon I want to use, I'm gonna get rid of Hypno and stick with Noctowl because he learns a bunch of psychic moves and he's my flying guy. Right. And then I have Ampharos now. Nice. Start going from Mareep to Flaffy to Ampharos, yeah. who is like my favorite electric Pokemon in this version. I'm still rocking Sudowoodo. I like really? Sudowoodo. His move set isn't great, but like I, he's a unique Pokemon, and I just wanted yeah. to use him. And you I had have him a in few Geodude. opportunities to catch him. Exactly. So I had him in Geodude, and so I got rid of Geodude when I caught Red Gyarados. So I'm you keeping caught Red, Red Gyarados. Gyarados. Hell yeah, nice. I did. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course. How long did so that take? So even you? though he's, uh, well, I actually went there. I was like. I went out of order because they give you a lot of HMs earlier on in the game than I remembered. Yeah. And so, like, I could do a lot more. I could go to a lot more areas than the original games, which was a lot more structured from town to town. And so it t- it was like, hey, go to Seanwood Island or whatever it's called to get the medicine to fix the lighthouse Ampharos because he's sick. And so I was like, okay, I'll go do that. And then I gave it to him. But instead of fighting that gym leader, I went the completely opposite direction to a new town. And so I fought that gym leader like out of order. And that's where the red gear or the red lake or Gyarados Lake yeah. or whatever it was. So I ended up catching that Gyarados. I think my guys were like level 27 and that red Gyarados was level 30. And I was still able to like wear him down and catch him. And so, uh, even though he's an old Pokemon, he's Red Gyarados, and he's the one of a kind. Yeah. So I'm gonna use my Red Gyarados. Red Gyarados um, is so cool. Yeah. So I've got I'm three and three old guys to new guys right now. Um, actually, no, I'm I'm two to four. I have two old guys, including Red Gyarados. So I'm doing okay, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get rid of Hypno at the next chance I can. I just haven't caught any other guys that I've really been in love with to use. So yeah, I've got I'm rocking Torkoal, the Fire Turtle. Nice, He's badass. I got Manectric. The uh, I like Manectric. Ele- He's like a fox, yeah. wolf kind of thing. The green yeah. and yellow guy. Um, yeah. Gardevoir, which is the Ralts evolution. Right. The psychic um, kind psychic. of ballet, whatever. Yeah. Um, Pelipper. Yes, Pelipper sucks, but I like Pelipper. No, dude, he's really good. Wingle. He, he has, at the time, Wingle is really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have my Skeptile because my Trico, and then uh-huh. I have Graveler. I'm rocking a Graveler. Yeah, I had Graveler for a while, and then I, I ditched him for um, a powerhouse Red man. Yeah, but yeah, my, yeah, see, my Torkoal was... kicks ass. Yeah, is he uh, Fire and Rock? Is that his thing? He's or fire just and Fire, I think. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, I'm looking. Yeah, he's um, just Fire. He has a move hmm. called. Um... Oh shit! I moved away from him. He has a move called Lava Plume. That's a power hmm. eighty, and it's a special attack. And his special attack is pretty high, um, but it uh, because in this game there are like the double battles and stuff. So lava right. plume will hurt every Pokemon on the field, right. including your partner. So I yeah, can't surf. use it in the double battles. Surf does that too, yeah. which sucks. Yeah, yeah. It also has like a high chance to burn the Pokemon. Pokemon man, Pokemon's awesome. Love Although it. I will say my big frustration. I know it's a ROM, but I downloaded the highest rated ROM. And it bugs out, like, every 20 minutes. And not, like, crashes or anything. I'm not losing progress. But, like, the player character will, like, just become a block of, like, glitchiness. Or the screen will just go completely black on top. And I can always save and reload and then it's fine. But it literally happens every 20 to 30 minutes. And it's very, very tedious when I'm playing. So that I'm frustrated by, especially because I downloaded the highest rated ROM for it. But... It is what it is. Yeah. I don't Once know. I I've get never through, done a DS ma, uh, ROM. 
now that I'm playing it and hearing you talk about Ruby and Sapphire, once I get through Heart Gold, I'm going to go play Ruby or Sapphire, which yeah. I know I can't play the Omega because I don't have the 3DS version. Right. But if you get the yeah. regular version, just play it on the um, the whatever emulator you have, but totally uh-huh. use the speed up function. What I what yeah, I, did, I need to play around with that. Yeah, I I mapped it to the space bar, so every time I was holding space bar, it was going at like five or six times normal speed, and mm. I was just zipping around, man. It's good stuff. Yeah, I guess that would help with the grinding part. Yeah, because you just go, you hold it and just go left, right, left, right, left, right, in a battle. Left, right, left, right, left, right, (laughs) in a battle. Yeah, right. And you can speed past all the text in the battles and stuff for grinding. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. It's good stuff. What else you got? Um, My buddy and I started playing The Division again. We did it like one or maybe two two sessions, I think we've done. Um, Game feels really good to play. Combat's really snappy, um, especially on PC. You can get like some really good, mm-hmm. accurate shots with the mouse and keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. The game it's just it has a really good focus on uh, like team comp and like having a good uh, range of like class abilities going between you and like whoever you're playing with. Because um, like there's like a medic class and then like a heavy class that can put down cover and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really it's a good time. I like the division. I'm very excited for Division Two. Um, I've been going through Last of Us Remastered with a buddy of mine. He want he likes watching me play it, so it's just like a matter of waiting for him to come over to play more. But we just recently got to the part where the DLC takes place, so I started the Left right. Behind DLC at the point where it takes place in the story. Um, so I started that. So we have to play that, and then the the back end of the main game. So we're in about the halfway point or so, so far. Um, I've been playing Fallout Shelter on Switch. Um, I fell off a of Pokemon Quest. I was just, okay. like, really sick of outfitting those power gems on all the Pokemon. I still need time. to try that out. It's just, it, there's no quality of life anything. And, like, because yeah. I was using the, t- the touch controls, like, uh, the touch screen. And, like, everything, that, certain things, like, take multiple touches. And, like, it's really frustrating. And, like, there's load screens for everything. So you bring up your list of Pokemon, and it's got to load for a few seconds. Mm. You bring mm-hmm. up your list of Power Gems, it's got to load for a few seconds. It's not snappy like it needs okay. to be. Because you're doing a lot of managing in those menus. Yeah, tedious stuff. And it takes forever. That, that's, right. that made me not want to play it anymore. That was enough. Um, I got Budget Cuts on Steam because it just released. That is the game I played a demo for that made me want to buy VR. So oh, now I just need to get off my lazy butt and actually play some of it. I've, <laughs> I played about a half hour and then it froze. Um, mm. But they a patch has since come out that literally addressed the exact problem that I had. So um, I really, really want to play that. I've got off my butt and do it. Um, before I finish my list, is there anything you wanted to talk about game-wise? Um, I guess I can give an update because I played a little bit more Celeste. And I finally got to the point where I rage quit mm. playing Celeste. So I think I'm done playing Celeste. Sick and of getting not, those, what is it, strawberries? Exactly. Or not getting the strawberries, more like. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a very, like, I really, really like the game in a vacuum. I love the style of it graphically. I love the music, the characters. The little story it's telling is very interesting. 
and theoretically the gameplay is awesome it's just playing with a ps4 controller i often die and i don't feel like it's my fault like okay. i i'm holding it at a diagonal but instead she jumps vertically or horizontally and it's just like that gets really really frustrating with as difficult as of a platformer it is in general not feeling like it's my fault when i die often is it sucks yeah and so i'm bummed because it's not really the game's fault but i wish there was a better way for me to be able to play it i don't know if like playing it on pc or something would have made a difference or even like with a switch analog stick would have been better um because i tried with the little d-pad and that just doesn't give the diagonal kind of specificity you need so that bums me out because i really wanted to play it but it's just too frustrating, and I, I have to I have to quit. Maybe I'll go back to it, but it's probably doubtful with as intricate as that game is. Um, and then I also, when I was super bored, played Telltale's Guardians of the Galaxy Episode 4. So I've been playing this for like a year. Yeah. I forgot that I had played Episode 3. <laughs> so, like, I've to show how much before. of a lasting impact that has had on me. I thought I was going to load it up and play Episode 3. And I was like, oh, you played it already. Do you want to replay it? And I was like, fuck, no, I don't. <laughs> so I played Episode 4. I mean, it's just it's just not good. It's not funny. The writing isn't good. The combat stuff is not all that interesting. It's just more the same Telltale stuff. I'm just sick of their games at this point. And um, like 10 minutes from the end of the game, it just crashed to the PlayStation UX. And so I had to load back in and replay. Like It wasn't that. I had to replay like 10 minutes. It wasn't the end of the world. But it had crashed when I played in episode two as well. It's it, Like when I was halfway through the game. And I'm just like, like how, what, what the fuck is happening over there, Telltale? Like why are you so – they built this huge studio to support all of their games. And then they cut way back and laid off like half of these people that they hired – like, fix it. Fix your shit. So I need to finally finish episode five. I mean, the only reason I'm playing this and finishing it is so I get another platinum. Because in playing episode okay. four, it got it got me to trophy level 19. And then when I, when I finish episode five, it'll be my 14th platinum. That's the only reason I'm going to continue playing this. I'm not having fun. And it's not good. And I feel like I'm wasting time, but I want those trophos, basically. Gotta get those trophos, man. Hell yeah, bro. Because that's really, I mean, other than, it's been a lot of Destiny recently and a lot of Pokemon, but that's kind of all I've been playing the past couple of weeks. I need to finally sit down and play um, whatever the fuck, Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. I need to load a Pokemon Quest. I have a bunch of other backlog games like Fee and um, The Fall 2. So I got a bunch of stuff I need to go back to before July hits because that's when games start coming out. Right. Because I got Octopath Traveler is coming out. The Banner Saga 3 is coming out. I might check out Captain Toad. I still have Mario and Rabbids, so, which I need to play first. I don't want to, because I really wanted to get um, Donkey Kong Country Freeze, which also came to Switch. Like, I want to play a lot of these older Wii U games, but um, since I already have Mario and Rabbids, I might as well play that backlog game first. Right. Um, well, there are two more games I've been playing. Mm-hmm. First of the two is Vampire. Right. I did finally start playing that. I'm like eight hours in now i think um it's a really really good b tier game it's a really good one of those um the combat is actually a lot better than i thought it would be like the powers are a blast to use Mm -hmm. like they have a good Mm -hmm. range of them there's one that's like this claw swipe that attacks all the enemies in front of you one of them is called a blood spear so like the the big the combat loop is you're attacking enemies 
to fill up your blood meter, and that's what you use to use your abilities. So I have a shield that will block, and now I spec into it so that when it bursts, it'll do damage to enemies around me. So that's really good. Um, I have a blood spear that like is like this giant tendril of blood that goes and spikes people, and it can actually hit multiple people in a row. Yeah. Um, and then I have a my so my main weapon I think was a pre-order bonus, and it I specced into it. I upgraded it so that. As I attack, it slowly fills my blood meter, like a, a small percentage, every time okay. I hit an enemy. And then, because the, the big thing is like, oh, to fill your blood meter, you're supposed to use your triangle weapon, or I guess in this case, Y, because I'm using a gamepad. Um, and that's like your offhand weapon, and that does like stun damage. So, oh, you're stunning mm-hmm. these enemies so you can then bite them to fill mm-hmm. your meter so you can use your more powerful moves. The stun weapons don't do as much damage. But they take down their, like, stun meter, and then when you bite them, it does a little bit of damage. But the real point is to, like, gain your your meter. And then I got an item for my offhand that was, like, doesn't do stun damage, just does a little bit of regular damage, but also just fills your meter so you don't have to bite them. Like, stop okay. in combat to bite them. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then, like, I finally got the upgrade for my main weapon that was, okay, now when I just do I do hits with my main, I just get blood back. Um, nice. So now my offhand is a shotgun. Which nice. is fucking dope. So like, I, yeah. and, and like, uh, you can spec. I, I just went for straight damage, but you can get like different types of, like one is like a, an incendiary, which is good against um, beasts and monsters, and then mm-hmm. the other one is like a chemical, which is good against humans, I think, uh, or maybe it's vice versa. Um, but I just went for straight damage. So like, I have a shotgun that does a ton of damage. Uh, so I'll like. I'll be attacking an enemy if they get up on me. I blast them in the face. <laughs> and each enemy is different. Um, not even just, like, by enemy class or type, but just per enemy as to, like, what they resist. So some of them resist, like, a shadow step type of move. Or, like, like, like it's shadows, basically. Because there are a couple different powers that do shadows. I haven't specced into those yet. Um, and then there's blood, melee, and ranged. So there's kind of four mm-hmm. damage types in the game. And each enemy has varying resistances for different types. So some of them will, like, heavily resist blood. So you don't want to do blood attacks. And they'll partially resist melee. So you really want to do ranged attacks or your shadow stuff against them. So for me, it just means my shotgun. Um, Mm -hmm. Or just, like, whittle them down, basically. Um, And there's, like, other enemies that, oh, they resist melee and range. So you just want to use your blood attacks on them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, that keeps you on your toes in combat a lot and it's like this good rock paper scissors going on um and like uh, on b uh i guess for you'd be circle is like a a dash where you like i, don't know, I feel like if i make the sound you'll know exactly what it's like so okay. like, it's, it's a it's a dash but like you disappear and reappear and it's like right it's like a sweet <laughs> right. like it's like a night crawler. Yeah, kind of it's thing. it's like a it's yeah, it's like a little less aggressive sounding than a night crawler right. like port portal thing. Yeah. Um teleport. It's so cool. And like it's just like <laughs> it's it the game does a really good job of making you feel like this powerful creature of death. Mm-hmm. Um but then like I'm also playing a really nice guy. But like okay. like all the people that I'm killing, so like yeah, so the structure of the game is what surprised me and almost turned me off of it, like kind of right away was I was having fun with the combat and then it kind of opened up and it was like, Oh, you can mesmerize these people 
and then like lead them away from other people and then like kill them and feed on them and you get a shit ton of experience for it Mm -hmm. and you can Mm -hmm. use that to like level yourself up whereas like if you're just killing enemies you get like 5 10 15 experience but you do this Mm -hmm. you get hundreds of experience Mm -hmm. but that person is now dead Mm -hmm. and then like the health of that district goes down when you progress to the next day um, and like people are also constantly getting sick with different illnesses, and if you let them maintain uh, maintain that sickness, like the overall health of that district goes down. So mm-hmm. like you're because you're play you play as a doctor, um, who's also a vampire and um, Doctor Acula. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was <laughs> thinking. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and so like you. By taking these different blood samples from these different types of enemies and beasts throughout the world as you kill them or, like, loot stuff, you f- discover these different crafting recipes for different types of medicines. So now I, ha- I have all of the types of medicines. Because before, there were, like, these people who were sick and, like, I couldn't cure them and like because I didn't have the thing. And so, like, the, the quality of the health of the district kept going down, and those people were, like, about to die. So I looked <laughs> yeah. up on the internet, like, okay, where do I get this shit? It's like, <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't have killed this lady earlier because she would have given it to me. Okay. But now that she's, like, a vampire, I can go kill her and get her key and open her chest and then find it there. It's like mm. I could still get it. So I had to go mm-hmm. do that. I just didn't realize I had to do that. Um so, like, thank, everyone's healthy now. A couple people have died, eh, but most <laughs> of the people are still alive and healthy. And so, like, that, when I kind of found out, I was like, oh, I have to, like, take care of all these people. No fucking thank you. I was right. like, no, I don't want to do this at all. But I kind of came around on it a bit. I think part of the problem is it has Final Fantasy twelve syndrome and that... There's a lot of talking, and it's not necessarily mm. that it's written poorly, but it's all that just British shit. Yeah, it's like t- it's too. It's like a little pretentious. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and a lot of the characters are just kind of unpleasant. They're just kind right. of unpleasant people until you like pressure them and mm-hmm. like kind of get them to open up a bit. So like, right, like at the beginning, there are a lot of characters. You're like, I don't fucking care about you. Yeah, I'll eat yeah. you. But yeah. um, I was like, that's not really how I want to play the character, though. So now I just have all these people I don't like that I have to keep alive. But I've, right. like, through p- – pardon me. Through talking to other people, you learn hints about other people. And you can then – that opens up dialogue options with them. So it's a lot of, like, oh, I talked to this one person. They're really guarded and they won't give me anything. And then I find a note somewhere. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you could ask them about this. And I go talk to them mm-hmm. again. Like, okay, it opens up this different branch of whatever and now they're more comfortable with me or, you know, yada, yada. So there's a, way more systems than I ever thought there would be in this in this game. And it has a good mystery going about, like, okay, why are you the way you are? And, like, is this really vampirism or is it something else? Okay. Or, like, is this what vampirism always has been? And, like, what are these other kinds of creatures? Like, there are all these different, like, subcategories of vampire, quote-unquote. Um, mm-hmm. It's Yeah, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, and I think it's it's reasonably well put together. I've run into some frustration. Because, um, like, getting around the world, you basically go between districts, and the different districts have levels of hostility based upon, like what the health of the district is and some Mm -hmm. districts like start off pretty shitty 
Uh, it's like they're really hard, and you can like go in there and you're way under leveled. And I am just permanently under leveled because I'm not feeding on people, because so, right. I don't get that experience. And right. like it said, like beforehand, it's like uh, like one of the tool tips was like when I started the game, it was like, hey, you can choose not to feed on people, but it's gonna make the game harder. Yeah, kind of said that up front, and I was like, mm, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. It kind of leans into that, like, gray area. Yeah. Like, it, good or evil. Like, you need to do it in order to level up, but it makes your character a bad person. Right. Kind and of thing. I've like only that. died three times in eight hours. And, like, I'm I'm muddling through. Like, some, mm-hmm. a lot of the fights, I am barely making it through. Especially because <laughs> I just encountered a new type of enemy, which is also a vampire. And so okay. they have blood shit that they can use on me and all these powers. Okay. And they're warping around. And they're so fucking hard. <laughs> and they do, like, half my health in one swipe of their sword. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really hard to fight those guys. But, like, it feels good. Like... It feels like a really easy Dark Souls when you're fighting mm-hmm. like a lot of the other enemies because there's some animation priority. You can cancel some animations by dodging mm-hmm. and like warping and stuff, but there's a lot of animation priority. Um, and like the kind of rock, paper, scissors of learning your enemies and adjusting, like learning how they move, how they attack, the timing of everything is very important. Yeah. Um, because it is, you know, it's not a AAA game. It, it is a little stiff at times. Like it. it things function a specific way sure. um there's not a lot of wiggle room in in a lot of the stuff so you have to be very precise so when you do encounter these harder enemies and you manage to beat them that's a really good feeling kind of almost like yeah. beating a hard enemy in in a souls game yeah um, and you know you did it without having to murder a bunch of people <laughs> exactly and like that that also feels good because it's like yeah. i'm like level 19 or something and the enemies i'm encountering are like 24 25 which is a pretty okay. big difference in terms of like how much damage they take how much they do and how much health they have that's a huge difference mm-hmm. um but like i i just finally i realized that because like you, you go to bed and that's when you evolve and you can spend your experience mm-hmm. um and so i realized that when you increase like your just your base health and stamina and some of that stuff it doesn't actually level you up but it's just like okay. making you more powerful but it sure. doesn't actually increase your level and i think when you increase your level it's hard to say it's hard to say if the enemies are increasing in difficulty because of where i'm at in the story because of how many days have gone past or because of my levels it's so hard to know it's really mm-hmm. hard to know um but it's like i'm encountering new types of enemies still and i made hours in and that's cool sure um, yeah, I'm having, I'm having a good time with it. I don't hate the main character. I don't think he's <laughs> particularly interesting. Okay. But maybe that's just the British part of him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I- I'm looking forward to seeing where the story goes because it does not shy away from being super dark. Um, right. Which is the whole point of it, basically. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm glad for uh, for don't nod. Yeah, because like that was a com- very different game than Life is Strange. Yeah, obviously, so different. Um, and I think they, they they did a really good job so so far. Um, and then the last game I got is Moonlighter, which is like a really highly animated pixel art game. Um, it's about a shopkeeper 
goes into dungeons to get his wares. Oh, so yes. Go, I remember them talking about this on Giant Bomb. Yeah, so you pop into... It came out recently. You pop into mm-hmm. dungeons and get the stuff, and then you can sell it in your shop. Um, mm-hmm. So you're the adventurer and the and the merchant. There's really good art. I love that highly animated pixel art. It looks really mm-hmm. good. It's very charming. has a lot of fun music. Like Even the dungeon music is fun. The About Town music's great. Your shop music's awesome. It's my favorite track in the game. Um, I will say, in combat, the controls are a little, like, sticky, almost. Like, diagonal movement does not trigger easily. Like, because mm-hmm. it recommends you play with a gamepad. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, I just somehow, the analog sticks, I just, I'm not getting that diagonal movement well. It's like hmm. the, the um, whatever, the degree of tolerance on that trigger yeah, is very too small, small. Mm-hmm. um and you can only attack in the four cardinal directions you can't attack diagonally oh, okay. but a lot of your weapons are so there's like there's a bow there's like melee claws there's a spear a broadsword, and a sword and shield and each weapon has its own type of power move so sword and shield you block broadsword you do like a zelda spinny attack sure. um i haven't experimented with the spear or the claws yet and then there's a bow although i haven't used the power move on that yet um but so like the bow is very directional like straight but like the sword yeah. the, the it's a short sword and a shield so you don't have much range you have to really get up on your enemies but it'll kind of attack in an arc in front of you yeah like sweeps yeah yeah the giant broadsword though will do right. like basically almost greater than a 180 degree radius mm-hmm. Uh, in, in front of your character. so But there's like there's a moment, like you hit the button, and then he goes, huh, swing. So okay. it's like you have to really lead your targets almost with that weapon because it's not responsive, and there's a huge commitment to each swing. I really mm-hmm. like it, but it's, it's not good for certain enemies. Um, mm-hmm. And so what I've done is I've gotten myself armor that increases because broadswords by their nature decrease your movement speed. So I've gotten armor that increases my movement speed to counter that. So mm-hmm. I can still move around the environments and the little tiles pretty easily um, and like get away from enemies. So it gives me the space to lead those attacks. But I still find myself in situations that are really hard because the game is very difficult. And it recommends mm-hmm. you start on hard. But hmm. there's a normal difficulty, so I did it on normal, and it's still <laughs> really, really hard. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it took me a while to get a hang of the combat. I was getting very frustrated last night, and then I booted it up and played some this morning, and I kind of like, I kind of got into it and figured it out a bit, okay. kind of just this morning. Um, it, there's a really fun loop there, though. Like you have a backpack that can fill up with stuff. As you pick stuff up in the dungeon, some things can only take slots on the left side or the right side. Some of them. If you leave them in a certain space, they'll actually delete the item in one of the directions from it. So you have to be careful. You want to you want to hmm. put that one like up in the corner so it won't actually delete anything. There are items that you don't find out what they are. There's a stack of items you don't find out what it is until you leave the dungeon. And then there are some items that if you place it in this slot in your backpack, item in this direction will become unobfuscated so you find out what those items are or it'll delete the curse from the item so it won't delete other items or doesn't have to be in this spot so there's like this kind of clever puzzle like mechanic to how you're storing the items in your bag as you get them um and then as you play you kind of learn okay what's valuable what's not yeah you can sell junk after you beat the first floor you get an item that allows you to sell junk for like 
very cheap kind of just like stuff that fills up your inventory you can just kind of sell it for a couple gold but it takes gold to warp out of the dungeon so it mm-hmm. takes like 300 gold to get out um otherwise you're like stuck in there and i guess just have to like keep going and killing stuff until you hmm. can sell so you stuff to make enough money to leave you know hmm. um it's interesting I've only made it through the first three floors of the first dungeon so far. I don't know how many there are per thing, but there's five dungeons. Um, And the big goal is like, oh, no one's ever made it to the fifth dungeon before. They've never opened (laughs) the fifth door. So I'm still in the first one. Um, Yeah, ways to go. Yeah, but I I upgraded my shop, so I have, like, more spaces to sell stuff. And there's this cool little menu where when you go to sell something, it... Like, people go to pick it up, and based on their reaction, you can tell whether it's underpriced, and they're like, hello, I'm buying this, like, I got a deal. Whether it's fairly priced, and they're like, yay, happy. Whether it's a little too expensive, but they're still going to buy it, they're not happy about it. Or it's, like, way too expensive, and they're kind of upset at, Mm -hmm. they take it very personally, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And it keeps track of, um, it's like, what is the greatest amount of each tier that you've sold it for or had that reaction mm-hmm. for. Um, and so it kind of like allows you to go like, okay, maybe I'll try selling this for a couple gold more and see if it triggers like the next tier to get like a negative, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also like, if you sell too much of an item, the supply and demand gets all whacked up. So the value changes, right? Uh, stuff like that. So, uh, and apparently there's like ways you can decorate your shop too. Um, I've just been like unlocking other people's shops in the town so I can buy stuff to improve my character. Um, but uh, I did upgrade my shop once, but apparently there's a way for you to decorate it, which is cool. Nice. So yeah, that's a twenty dollar game. Vampire is like a full is that, price game. Moonlighter is only twenty bucks. Is it PC only? It's a good question. I don't know. Hmm. I because f- it sounds interesting. Yeah, it has gamepad support, and it recommends you use a gamepad. Yeah. So check feasibly it could be on consoles. I don't yeah. know. Um, Sounds cool. Yeah, it, it it is really neat. It takes some getting... The combat takes some getting used to. Because it, it doesn't mm-hmm. play as smoothly as I thought it would. Um, because it animates very smoothly. I expected the combat to flow. And it doesn't. It's a little sticky. So you kind of have to get used to it. Um, I also... I yeah. bought Divinity 2 and the Prey Moon whatever DLC. Right. Have not played those right. yet. Okay. Looking forward to checking those out once I get further in all of these other games that I'm playing. Have you gotten a lot of stuff on the Steam sale? I know like we haven't really texted back and forth a lot. Of, I have not even looked at the Steam sale. I'm just kind of like, there's no point in me buying PC games. I know I'm not going to play them. Yeah, so I got Divinity 2 um, on the sale. I got the Moon DLC and Moonlighter, but those weren't on sale. I just bought them. Okay. Um, and... I bought oh that's right I haven't played that yet I forgot I bought that um, House Flipper it's uh, okay. like one of those little sim games where you run a little like house restoration company right. and you actually go in and like vacuum all the cockroaches up and like, <laughs> replace the radiator and like that's paint cool. the walls and, and stuff um, and then like set, buy properties fix them up sell them uh, so you can like improve your own property hmm. um I saw a couple of videos on that. I think Giant Bomb did a quick look. Yeah, it, it sounds familiar. I think I heard them talking about it on the Beastcast, maybe. Yeah, House Flipper. Um, so I'm looking forward to checking that out as well. I want to say... 
Oh, I bought Wayward, which is like a 2D sprite-based kind of top-down survival game. Okay. But what I didn't realize is it was tile-based. So when you like you do a move like a tile at a time, and that sucks so hard. It sucks. So I returned it and bought House Flipper <laughs> instead. Okay. But yeah, sweet. So that's a lot of video games. Indeed. But a lot of really good video games. Sure. Yeah. And then Destiny also. <laughs> right. Also Destiny. <laughs> so, and Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, they apart can't all be from video games, like, mm-hmm. like let's talk movies. Okay. So I have seen three movies in the past couple of weeks, mostly because I realized I have not seen enough movies, and so we got some red boxes. So we watched Annihilation. Did you see Annihilation? Oh, I don't. Natalie Portman, kind no. of horror alien. I, I know which one you're talking about, but no, I've okay. not seen it. So it sucks. Like, oh. really bad. It really, really sucks. Oh, wow. And that bummed me the fuck out because it's uh, written and directed by, shit, what's his name? Andrew Garland, I believe, who was the writer of 28 Days Later oh. and uh, wrote and directed Ex Machina. Like, I, he's awesome. This movie is awful. It like just from the jump, it was bad. The writing felt very stilted and expository, but like the movie was also really confusing because it does a weird thing in the beginning where like it jumps around in time a little bit, and the whole story is framed of Natalie Portman's character doing an interview after all the events happen, which is like a super cliched thing to do in general. Until dawn, yeah. <laughs> well, sure, and it's just like I don't know. It just. Nothing about the movie worked. That's not true. So visually, it's stunning. It has a lot of really cool... Because the the basic concept is, without going into spoilers of it, this um, shimmer appears, which I think is what they call it in the movie. The shimmer appears, and like you don't know what's behind the shimmer. Like You can see through it, and it looks like it's, oh, it's just a forest, like normal, but it's this weird whatever... And so they keep sending scientists and army folks into the Shimmer to learn, and no one ever comes back. So, like, well, something bad's happening in there. So, and the Shimmer is also expanding over time. Like, over the course of months, it's getting bigger and bigger. So, theoretically, it will eventually c- c- cover the entire world. And so, Natalie Portman's husband, who is a soldier, goes into the Shimmer. Like, a year passes, and he doesn't come back. And then, all of a sudden, he just shows up. And he's all, like, weird and fucked up. And, like, something weird's going on. But he's the first person to ever come out. And so her and some other scientists go into the Shimmer to learn why he was in there. Or, like, what happened. How he was able to come back. Etc. And that's kind of the basic setup. Okay. So when they go in the Shimmer, it's Earth. But, like, it's basically mutated. So whatever the Shimmer is, whatever is happening is, like, changing the genetic code of the things inside. And so, like, there's an alligator... But it has like shark teeth inside or there's um, like plant life, like a bunch of flowers that are different species of flower, but they're all growing from the same roots. Like it's just like weird mutated life basically. And so that's kind of like the concept and visually it looks amazing. Like all the colors and the different designs of all these mutated things are fucking fascinating and beautiful and also terrifying. The music is weird, but I think it works. So there's a lot of a mix of 
like the Last of Us style banjo kind of music where it's like post-apocalypse kind of dark but like almost hopeful and sad at the same time kind of like solo banjo work yeah but there's also a lot of like more heavy synthy Hans Zimmer like Blade Runner style not techno but like the synth the heavy synth stuff and it kind of combines those and like it's weird at first but it does work because they use them at different times for different emotional stages and obviously the synth stuff because like the banjo thing is more about her in this experience and you learn a little bit about her relationship in the past blah 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 and so that's where a lot of like the banjo stuff is driven a lot of the like shimmer stuff because i'm not going to say if it's like technology or aliens or whatever else the shimmer stuff is like the synth futuristic weirdness and so that i think is really really well done Hmm. but the story and the writing and the characters are not interesting there's a lot of bad acting by a lot of the secondary characters the story gets really far up its own ass it's not mysterious it's just confusing the ending is really like obvious but also doesn't make sense it's really hard to explain i was incredibly bummed out by this movie wow and like because i remember when i watched arrival which was like the big alien mystery movie last year 90 percent of that movie was phenomenal and then it just didn't stick the landing and it didn't stick the landing in such a significant way that it honestly kind of ruined the movie for me with this one, the whole thing just kind of sucks. So it's not like Arrival was. So I was so disappointed because I was really, really looking forward to watching this. And then I watched Tomb Raider. Oh, boy. Which I had very different expectations for. Yes. <laughs> so, like, I knew Tomb Raider wasn't going to be amazing. My expectation was that it was going to be a middle-of-the-road, kind of forgettable action movie with some fun parts. I was hoping it wouldn't be as bad as, like, the Assassin's Creed movie was. And it isn't. But it also isn't that fun. Like, there's just nothing that good about it. It's just like a below-average action-adventure movie. They took a lot more from the 2013 video game than I figured they would. Like, the story is basically the same. It's about Himiko on the secret island where she's this you know, Japanese princess that has some darkness. It's like the, the story of like, I mean, the bad guy's name is Matthias, just like in the game. He's been there for several years. It's, I mean, there's some stuff, but they changed it a little bit. Like Trinity is the main bad, whatever. So it's a lot of stuff from the games, which is, is interesting to see. It just doesn't do anything. um, All that unique throughout across the board. There's one weird piece to me, like the cinematography oftentimes was really unique and cool. Like on a lot of the action sequences, especially just a lot of really interestingly framed shots and perspectives of the action. That was the, it was more interesting than the action taking place was basically like (laughs) it was really cool shots of not all that interesting stuff happening. So that was, it was weird, but Props to the DP or the cinematography, whoever whoever was in charge of all that. They did a good job. They're about the only ones who did a good job. Um, and the movie ends, not with like a cliffhanger, but a very clear setup for a sequel, which 
probably won't happen. And so, like, that's always just a little awkward yeah. when that happens. The movie, I guess, has done well overseas. It underperformed in the U.S., but it has done well overseas. So, like, I think it was, like, breaking even. It was right in that area. So maybe they would make a sequel. I don't know. But um, it would be weird if they did not because there was a very clear, like, this is what the sequel's going to be. And then there won't be one. So <laughs> it was a little weird. Um and then, oh, I guess I should mention Walton Goggins, who I love. He plays Matthias, the bad guy. I have never thought this about Walton Goggins before, but he was so forgettable. He just doesn't do anything with the character. He's just a really uninteresting villain, which was honestly, like, probably the most disappointing part. I figured, if nothing else, he would be, like, chewing the scenery with his, like, he's this very effeminate, southern accent, kind of whatever, and I just love him as an actor, and he did nothing for me in this movie, which was probably the worst part about it. Wow. And then I watched Call Me By Your Name, which was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars last year. Or I guess, I mean, it was in February, but for the 2017 Oscars, but it came out this year. So fuck you, Oscars. But uh, I, I'm not sure yet how I feel about it. So the basic conceit is it's in the early 80s in Italy. And it is this young teenage boy who has kind of conflicting, confused sexuality. And this American who's a couple years older, he's like a college student, comes because he's interning with the boy's dad, who's like this famous archaeologist type. And they like develop their homosexual relationship, basically. And that's kind of like basically what the movie's about. There's not okay. really a story. It's more of a day in the life type of thing. Sure. Where it's just like, here are these circumstance here are these characters in these circumstances. This is their life. And I have nothing against that style of filmmaking. The acting is com- absolutely brilliant. The main guy, Timothy Chalamet, who I think is French, he was nominated for Best Actor for this. He was also in Lady Bird last year, which was nominated for Best Picture. And I just saw a trailer like yesterday. He's in a new movie with Steve Carell called Beautiful Boy. Oh, boy. And holy shit, go watch this trailer. I was crying just from the fucking trailer. Like, something about Steve Carell, man. He's like the most lovable person I could ever imagine. And seeing him in a movie where like he's in pain just breaks my heart. But anyway, so Call Me By Your Name. It was really well acted, really, really well written. But there's something about the like the circumstances that felt I don't know how to explain it because it's like this rich family who when his parents find out that he's gay like they're supportive and it's just like a weird I don't know I don't know because it's it's I still think it's very important to have these kind of films that are centered around homosexuality, especially in different time periods where it was far less accepted. But there's something about this one where it feels a little self-indulgent, maybe. And it's a really long movie. And given that there's no story, it's just like it feels long. So I'm not sure yet how I felt about it. I liked the movie. I think it is a very beautiful film. But there are certain parts of it where I'm kind of I still I just need some more time to kind of digest. Um, so I feel like those are all kind of very those are all like pretty opposite sides of yeah. the spectrum movies. I hope so. you didn't watch them all back to back. I watched them all like in the course of a week, basically. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess those those are the movies I've been watching. What about you? Yeah, I, I uh, Karen and I went and saw Incredibles two. Okay. We liked it. I think it's, yeah, it's a good sequel. 
I remember I seeing it. trailers, and like I want to see it. I remember seeing trailers and feeling like a lot of the jokes seemed a bit dated. Like it seemed like a little bit of an old, like the movie would have been better in the early two thousands kind of a thing. Yeah, but I think that's part of what makes it a good sequel is that it okay you could watch the two back to back right and they feel at home with each other. Right. Yeah, I guess that's a certain perspective. Because I would, I mean, given that it has been so long, I would expect a little more of a modern take. But I see, I see your point, too. I, yeah. I feel like you can make either one work, I guess. Yeah, and it like, comes down to kind of preference. Um, but yeah. this is obviously the movie in which um, children were an issue. Um, oh, okay. Children who were not a fucking alive when the first one came out. Right. Um, so we went and saw it in the, the whatever, the DX... XD, the nice recliner seats, mm-hmm. really, really nice experience. And um, there were kids right behind us that I guess their parents were just okay with this because the kids were just stomping around, wow. like walking around and stomping wow. behind yeah, us. Yeah, at, at that point, I would, I would do so, like I would say something. Um, I almost did, mm-hmm. but the problem with those recliner seats is. They're at a level that's so much higher than you, you can't turn <laughs> okay. around to give them the look because they can't right. see you. Right. Okay. You can't do the look. I would have to stand up and go, hey, yeah. fucking <laughs> stop! <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. That sucks. I hate that. Don't bring your stupid-ass kids to the movie theater if your stupid ass isn't going to do, do anything about it. Right. I hate that shit. Because at that, at that age, like, and it's The Incredibles, like, that's fine to bring your children to the movie The Incredibles. There's nothing wrong with that. But rain The problem is, in. like, exercise some control over them. Yes. It's very different from, like, when Kelly and I went and saw Doctor Strange, and there was a family that brought their literally months-old baby in to go see Doctor Strange. Jeez. Like, at that point, it's like, no, you had a child. You When you have a child and it is a, to- a baby like that, you give up certain rights. Yeah. You give up experiences like going to the movie theater. And it was a full-packed movie. Th- this was opening weekend. It was That's completely absurd. But this is a whole other problem of just bad parenting. Yeah. Because children are just microcosms of shitty, the, 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 the fucking awful little things that people are. And then they grow up to be even shittier, bigger things that allow other shitty little things to happen. And okay. we just keep the world sucks and it's because of us. <laughs> the Incredibles yeah. 2 would have been so much more enjoyable yes. if there weren't kids in the theater is what yes. I try to say. Yeah. You need to watch it again. That's what we did with Doctor yeah. Strange. When it came on Netflix, we watched it again and I liked it so much more. The second time. Because, like, I didn't have that much fun when we went and saw it. And it wasn't the movie's fault. It's a good movie. It was these fucking parents' fault. Yeah. Ugh. Man, and right before the movie, grown-ass adult sitting right next to me, like, talking through, like, the first two minutes of the the little short. Mm-hmm. And the short was really good. It was mm-hmm. really sweet. And it kind of went some places I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um and but, fucker right next to me, mm-hmm. talking. Mm-hmm. I think I told the story on the podcast, but when we went and saw Wonder Woman, very similar experience. Where like, throughout all the trailers, the dude sitting next to me would like clap 
after the trailers and like just like talk not to, he was there by himself he would just talk out loud about things that were happening in the trailer and not like oh crazy or like any, like he would just talk about like oh it's this guy from this other movie like just out loud and i like he was there was something and he like was clapping during some action thing during a, a trailer and i looked over and i was like you're not going to do this during the movie are you and he got all embarrassed. He's like, oh, no. And I was like, okay, good. Because it's really annoying and I will tell on you. And he didn't do it during the movie. Did you thing. say, I will tell on you? Yes. And I said, and I will tell on you. <laughs> That's an amazing thing <laughs> to say as an adult. <laughs> Shit. Oh, now I need to say that to someone. I will tell on you. But just I'm totally deadpan. Oh. Again, that just theaters, theaters are the worst way to watch a movie. Yeah. And it sucks. Because they should be an amazing way to watch a movie. They should be, by the way. Like, they charge you for it. Yeah. Because, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out. And granted, I'm not, like, head over heels really wanting to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp. But I would like to go see it. But I probably won't see it in the theaters. Because someone's going to fucking ruin it for me. Maybe I'll wait for a couple of weeks and, like, go on a Sunday morning or, like, a Tuesday or something. And then I won't have to worry about there being a bunch of people there. But I just don't want to go to the theater ever. I'm nervous. Whenever I go to the theater, I am nervous. You don't know what kind of experience you're going to have. You're like, I'm dropping this money. I'm stuck in this room with these people because I paid money. They better not mess it up for me. Yep. And then I watched Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Because it's on Netflix. Okay. I think that's one of my favorite Marvel movies next to uh, the first two Iron Mans and Guardians of the Galaxy. And it falls Hmm. below those in the pecking order. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't really like Captain America. I think he's right. Um, so like Civil War, whatever that was, that whole deal that people like, I don't, I don't really care about it. Um, I thought it was the best Thor movie of the three. I still have it's still in the bottom half. Okay, I have not Marvel seen the other two Thor movies. Um, yeah. I- and maybe that's maybe that's because that was a big reason why I didn't enjoy it as much is because they completely changed his character oh. for the sake of making this a buddy comedy. Okay. Like Thor isn't a funny character. Right. And then he's like cutting it up with, with Hulk throughout the whole thing. And it right. just felt so forced to me. Oh, okay. But without all the context, if you're just looking at it as whatever, you don't have a connection to the character. It makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, Hulk's voice was really weird, though. Like, hmm. it sounded like it was very poorly modulated. His voice. It was really weird. Hmm. Very strange. Um, also, <sighs> Mark Ruffalo was really weak in that movie, and it kind of made me reflect on all the times I've seen Mark Ruffalo. And I guess he's just always kind of bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of Mark Ruffalo. Not as a person, obviously. I don't know him as a person, but I've never really felt like he was. That good of an actor, he and in um, Spotlight, which came out a couple of years ago, won Best Picture. He was amazing in in that movie. I can't think of another movie where I'm like, wow, Mark Ruffalo was really good in that. And I've seen Mark Ruffalo in dozens of movies. Man, yeah, I just not a fan. He's not not that great. Yep, I can I can I can see how some people would find him charming in like a. Uh, like a tension lifting cop drama role. Okay. I could see that. Okay. 
but maybe but that's a million like people could do that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my ass could do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So yeah, I those are the only couple movies I've seen. Karen and I have been watching Grand Designs, which is like a British HGTV show, just about these like, you know, million pound houses. Sure. Um, so like, I don't know. million houses. Um, That's a really heavy house. Actually, for a house, it's (laughs) not that heavy. Oy vey. Um, I just, I, I, she and I love those shows. Like, we can't stop Mm -hmm. watching them. We watched this uh, uh, episode uh, yesterday about this one house that was built on the Thames. And Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of flooding and like crazy water levels, they wanted to build a house that they didn't want it to just be on stilts because then it restricts like all like the weight and the size and everything of the house. So what they did is they dug a pit into the ground and lined it with cement and had these giant things called dolphins. They're essentially giant like steel piles driven in these giant posts. And then Mm -hmm. the house is also on a cement box that's smaller, but it's on those as like a track. And the thing okay. fills with water and just lifts the ah, house up underneath. On the track. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So cool. That is very so cool. So cool. And they clad the house in this aluminum, as they say, aluminium, which is right. wrong because not the, the word. That's not how the letters are. Anyways, yep. um, I mean to be fair, we say colonel. Hey, um, Colonel Sanders is my favorite <laughs> kind of chicken. Um, <laughs> But they clad it in these, like, little square diamonds, and it looks like dragon scales all around the hmm. house, which looks really cool. Hmm. It's neat. And you really yeah, only, like you really only get the effects from side on. If you're looking at it from, like, the front or the back, it just kind of blends in. Like, you can just see the lines. But then when you look at side on, you can really see how it's, like, overlapped, like, scales. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of neat. But, yeah. Really cool design for a house. And the show's, like, all about these, like, weird, expensive projects that are right. far from the norm. And they follow, like, the whole process of it. Like, they talk to them at the inception of it. They're there, like, when the yeah. groundbreak happens. They're throughout the, the process. They check in with, like, the budget and the people's lives and stuff, which I don't care as much about. Um, and then, like, they show <laughs> the final project. Like, he comes back, like, a year later when it's done. Um, and it's always this big reveal. And, like, they always look fucking just the most amazing Of course. They're crazy. Um, but, yeah, so Grand Designs. There's four seasons of it, and then there's also a Is Grand... Is this on Netflix? Yeah, there's also a Grand Designs Australia with a different host, hmm. which I kind of like the British guy. He's so corny, and he's such a weirdo, and just, like, mm-hmm. he has the weirdest outfits. His favorite one is, like, this all blue, like, this blue sport coat with not matching blue denim jeans, these, like, weird shoes, and then, like, a T-shirt. And like an ascot, yeah. He's weird, weird dude, weird dude. <laughs> um, but he's really smart. And like the way he talks about like you know the the views and like the he knows all the terms and like yeah talks about like okay you know how does the house flow and you know like how how is it a home as opposed to like an architectural building and stuff like that. So he has like really good conversations and asks kind of uncomfortable questions in in funny <laughs> ways. Um, so watching that, and then I'm watching Ripper Street, which is another British show. It's the okay, sure. one about um, it takes place like shortly after the Jack the Ripper murders yeah, Jack Ripper. in Whitechapel, which is funny because in Vampire, I started watching that show like a week and a half ago. I'm on like season four now, um, 
and I started Vampire, and there's a district in Vampire that's actually Whitechapel. Oh, so that's cool. It's kind of like a fun yeah. tie-in thing because they're roughly-ish. Um, well, no, Vampire's a little before Ripper Street. Ripper Street's a little after it, but it's kind of funny that they're tied in that way. Um, mm-hmm. It's a British show. There's a lot of accents. There's quite a bit of killing and a lot of really sad-looking people. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I like it, though. I like the characters. It, it does, like, because it, it has a good setup um, for, like, a mo- like murder of the week kind of thing. Okay, sure. Um, and so, like, the first season does that, and, like, the second season does more of a, um, um overarching story and then the third season mm-hmm. does these disparate murders that are actually kind of connected and tell the larger mm-hmm. narrative and i'm back into the fourth season um and we'll see where that goes i think Sweet. there are five seasons of it i think is it still going i don't know i have not i remember i mean this was when i was writing at barnes and noble so this was a couple of years ago which would make sense i remember seeing the like we had the blu-ray of the first season or whatever and looking at it and be like oh this show seems neat it, it's on Netflix it's too. It's very right? well acted. It's very yeah. well acted. It's been uh, on there my are list some annoying characters every now and then, but like the characters have had tremendous growth okay. over the course of the seasons. Like they don't, they're not stagnant, um, right. and like they're very smart about okay, what are the flaws of this character, and like having situations that um, both exploit the flaws and highlight the flaws. And then, like, have other characters around them notice the flaws and, like, try to address mm-hmm. them with the character and, like, all these conflicts and stuff. So they do a good job. There's never, like, oh, this guy's just an asshole. He sucks. They add right. more dimension and, like, they add little subplots and conversations that help address some of those issues you might have with Rob, with a character. Um, so it's, it's a smart show. It's a smart show. I That's like cool. it. I like all the period shows like that. Well, we've been watching um, yeah, a lot of the shows that we typically watch. Yeah. Um, the competition shows, I should say. So the great, amazing race experiment is over. Okay. We, we uh, completely forgot we were even watching that show. <laughs> and because we never finished the first season. And I guess Kelly talked to a friend of hers that <laughs> watches it. And she's like, hey, you guys should watch like a recent season because they have changed the concept of the show a lot. So maybe we'll try that out. But instead, we went back and started a new season of Top Chef. I think we have like two seasons left. Um, So we've been watching that. Um, And then new seasons for World of Dance and So You Think You Can Dance have started. And so those get uploaded weekly to Hulu. So we've been watching those. So You Think You Dance is just, I fucking love that show. There's something about dance that I just love watching. It's that full expression of emotion using your entire body that I just really respect. Um, it was interesting because this season they had a guy audition in drag and he like, and he's gay and he was auditioning in drag and he made, he made it through to kind of the, like the next round of called the Academy, which is where all the finalists go and compete against each other. And then they pick the top 20 to be on the actual show. Okay. And so I don't think he's good enough to make it to the actual show. And, but it makes me think, like, I wonder what they would do. Because he is, like, he he auditioned in drag. That's his shtick. So would he perform always in drag? And then that made me think, what would they do if they had a trans person audition on the show? And I guess they would, like, because they do a lot of partner dances with guy and girl, whatever else. And I guess they would treat it like anything else where if yeah. it's, you know, a trans man who used to be a woman 
like he would uh, he would dance with a whatever woman and it, it just made me think like that would be really interesting to see because yeah. obviously i've like they've never really done that on a show before and so you think you can dance is it's pretty progressive when it comes to that stuff because it's dance and so there's a lot of people who are non-normative in any aspect of the word if it's like sexuality or um identification or like everything else so it's it would i just i think it would be really really interesting to see that and even though i don't think this guy is all that great maybe he'll get better throughout the academy part but i would be really excited to see how they would treat that on the show if he would just dance as himself and occasionally he would be in drag because they do solos and stuff too or if they would treat it like that's his dance character and so he's always in drag as a woman dancing with men or whatever i don't know it'd just be interesting um but I love that show just because the quality of the dancing is so high versus something like World of Dance, which last season and the first season we watched and we really loved because there was a lot of really cool um, groups and dancers that I had heard of, like a lot of hip-hop groups that I have followed for a while that I really liked. This season, the level of competition seems to be much lower. Like we've only been – we've seen probably 25 um, – doubles and solo dancers and groups probably like 25 total acts i guess you would say or performances and maybe like five of them are awesome the rest are like average at best okay obviously they're amazing much better dancers than me but in that in that upper echelon they're just not that exciting and they don't get criticism like that's part of my issue with a lot of these performance competition shows is they just don't give criticism like simon cowell made that famous on american idol of him being a really harsh judge and no one else really does that like on the voice or whatever other singing show and america's got talent all this other stuff like even when they offer criticism it's always apologetic it's like i mean if there's one other thing like maybe if you guys would think about this like oh I, but it was amazing it was so it was so good but like uh, maybe this and like fucking criticize them you are a judge that is what you're supposed to do which is why i respect so you think you can dance so much because they are not afraid to be like no like that you just you don't have it come back next year take more classes get better and then we'll see you again next year like they don't they cut through the shit and there was a dancer on so you think you can dance who has a prosthetic leg and she's like a contemporary dancer with a prosthetic leg and that is very inspirational for her to do that and be able to do that but she wasn't that good and so she didn't make it through like they had her they put her on television and said this is incredibly inspiring thank you for coming out and doing this and showing us your art and hopefully inspiring other people like you to do this you just don't have the level of ability we need and on any other show like this she would make it through she would be a finalist she would have a good chance of winning because it's more about the story than it is the talent and that's why i love so you think you can dance so much and why when we watch world of dance we want to just mute as soon as the judges start talking because we just want to see the performances because everything else is so frustrating um and then i've been watching seinfeld per usual i'm like halfway through season seven Time flies when you're having fun. I love that fucking show so much. I just watch it on repeat over and over again and never get sick of it. Um, so that's kind of everything I've been watching. Anything else for no. you? Because I, I am fresh out. Yes. So Thankfully. I finished Order of the Phoenix. 
Okay. And then um, I took like a week where I was like, what am I going to do next? Am I going to go ahead and go through Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows and try to finish that quickly? Am I going to start the Prince of Thorns trilogy? Am I going to start the Star Wars Aftermath trilogy? Am I going to dig into some of the comics that I have? And so I texted uh, you, you. Yeah, you asked your extremely intelligent brother. Right. Uh, I handsome, texted too, as it turns out. Um, and, <laughs> Not sure how it's relevant. Uh, well, what did he say? <laughs> so, okay, to give full context, I texted you. <laughs> I didn't hear back from you for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and then you texted back and said, hey, start Prince of Thorns so that we can talk about it. Well, I was already a chapter and a half into Half-Blood Prince, so... What do you want me to do? I asked you what I should do. You didn't respond immediately. So I made a choice. I made a decision. I think actually what I said was like, you were like, read Prince of Thorns so that we could talk about it. And I was like, sorry, Fudge is already telling the new prime minister about Voldemort being back. Like, yeah. I'm already in it. But I will say, I now am bringing the book with me to work. And I try to read a chapter, sometimes two, every lunch. And so I'm already on chapter 10. That's and I started it. I started it this books. week. And that's what I did um, when I was at my old job, what I did with my Harry Potter books when I decided to reread them. I kept them at work, and so I read them every day at work. With this, I'm bringing it back and forth because I occasionally want to read on the weekends or whatever else at home. But I will get through it much faster than I got through Order of the Phoenix, which took me like six months to finish that book. Yeah. So Prince of Thorns will be the next one. Okay. But that's that's where I'm coming from. Um, And then... After you read the Mark Lawrence stuff, you start on Brandon Sanderson. That's too much. Nope. That's too much. I have enough. too many other things because I want to read the Star Wars Aftermath books too. Like at that point, we're, this, we're at that point, by the time I get through all that stuff, this is like two years away. I don't read that often. Patrick Rothfuss? I don't know what that is. They're just as long. <laughs> well, there the, you go. The, uh, the Brandon Sanders stuff, no. I looked into this when I was looking for Christmas gift ideas, because that's when I got the Prince of Thorns trilogy. And I was looking into Brandon Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson, because I know you like his stuff. I know he's so well regarded. But there are like 50 fucking books in that. Like he has a couple series that all intermingle. And that's just too much. I'm just, I'm not able to take that on. That's just too much stuff. So I don't, I don't know that I'll ever be a Brandon Sanderson. I don't read that much. Don't shake your head. You read a lot more. I'm sure they are amazing, and you have talked about them on the podcast. They sound great. That's just too much for me to take on. Maybe something will change, but right now, that's too much. Three, Like a three-book series, The Prince of Thorns, that's why I picked that. It's because it's three books, and then I'm done. Yeah, and they're, they're not long. Right. And they're the, there are a couple spinoffs, too, right? Didn't you say? Because you read those? They're what? Aren't there, like, little spinoff books, too? No, so the um, so Mark Lawrence has also written the great gray sister and red sister. That's right, but it's a different. That's a different. Thing. It's a yeah, I think. Okay. okay, okay. From what I know, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I I like fantasy books. Sometimes they get a little homogenized, and that makes me not all that interested. And honestly, like. I got Prince of Thorns based on your recommendation, and obviously I'm going to read it, and hopefully I love it. Reading the back of the, like, the the back description seems pretty generic to it, me. That Those never do them justice. I know. No, you're they right. Never they never do. They don't. Because I read it aloud to Kelly, because I was like, Kelly, what should I read? Star Wars or Prince of Thorns? Let me read you the descriptions. And, like, two sentences into the description of Prince of Thorns, she's like, what is happening? It's all these <laughs> random words. It's Empire a bunch of, names. of whatever. A bunch of, like, undark the lesser. Like, it's just fucking stupid-ass fantasy names. So, 
hopefully I'll get something out of that. Yeah. But, obviously, that was a big recap. That was a month worth Woo! of things. So let's dive into some news. I was anticipating there not being that much news. And there really isn't a ton. There there haven't been a ton of like announcements, obviously, post-E3. But there's still some good stuff to dig into since it's been like a month since we've talked about news as well. Yeah. So first, I wanted to... Well, actually, I don't want to talk about it, but I feel obligated to talk about it. Yes. The whole cross-play shenanigans that's happening. Mm-hmm. So this has been going on for like a year now. Um because Microsoft and Nintendo, once Microsoft bought the Minecraft stuff, they allowed some like crossplay, and they just got crossplay with Switch, Minecraft on Switch. Obviously, Fortnite being the biggest game on the planet, Microsoft and Switch, they can play together. So this, I mean, crossplay um, has been a Rocket big League thing. Was really big between Rocket PC League. That was yes, and PS4. Is yes. PC and PS4 can play? And together. that was, I think, that was like a year ago. That's when, like, yeah. because it used to be none of the companies wanted to do this at all, right? Because why would they? So only recently has it become a big talking point because of Nintendo and Microsoft. And so there was a big thing about a former executive at Sony got interviewed, and he basically came out and acknowledged like we had had talks about it. We didn't want to do it because. We'll, we'll make more money not doing it. And so people are like, oh, money-hungry Sony. Like, yep, they're a business. Literally, businesses exist to make money. They don't exist to provide services. They don't exist to treat their customers well. Businesses exist to make money. By definition, that is what a business is. So why the fuck wouldn't they do something that will make them more money? I get it. From the customer experience perspective, and granted that all the other companies are doing it, it makes sense for them to just fucking do it now. And I get why it's frustrating. But for me, like, there are three things about all this drama that annoy me and make it feel like it's uneducated people complaining about this. Number one is that that financial side. Sony is the market leader, and it's not close. So yes, of course, the the people in second and third would team up to try to take down the first place person. That's the only reason Microsoft and Nintendo are doing this crossplay. Let's yeah. not imagine it's about the customers and them being able to play with their friends. These are businesses; they don't fucking care. It's a marketing. It's the move. bottom line. It's a marketing move, PR, whatever. Like, if Sony did this, if they allowed crossplay with Fortnite, so right now where it is. People that care about crossplay own consoles. No one that is not a modern console owner is thinking about crossplay because it doesn't affect them. Parents going into GameStop at Christmas aren't asking the game advisors, oh, my, my son wants a new console and his friend has a Nintendo. What should I get him? And then the game advisor is like, well, they can play Fortnite together if you buy an Xbox. That conversation isn't happening because parents are not educated on this and they don't care. So, like, the only people that care about this crossplay stuff are people that already own consoles that are already plugged into those games. Sony's perspective is if they don't own a PS4, we want to convince them to buy a PS4. We will do this by having really high quality games on our system. Right. If they allowed crossplay, that takes away a lot of the incentive to buy a PS4. Because if I own an Xbox and you own a PlayStation and we can't play Fortnite together, 
maybe I'll go buy a PlayStation so we can play Fortnite together and I can play a bunch of other games. But if we allow that crossplay, I'm going to stick with my Xbox. I'm not saying that is a customer or consumer friendly perspective. I'm purely speaking to the financial side of it. Financially, it doesn't make sense for them to allow this. Right. That's the point number one. Point number two, it's not like crossplay has been around for decades and Sony's lagging behind. This is something that was talked about and started to happen a couple years ago, even like a year ago with Rocket League. But it's really been like a couple months that Nintendo and Microsoft have done all this shit with Fortnite, with Minecraft, with all these other big games. So it's not like Sony has been denying this for years, and yet people are like vilifying them as being the one who isn't doing this. And like, if you look at the way it used to be, no companies ever wanted to do it. And again, it's only happening now because Microsoft and Nintendo are not winning, so they're teaming up to take down Sony. So I don't get why the perspective is like, Sony's the bad guy, they're never doing this, they have never done this. Because until a couple months ago, no one did this. That's point number two. Point number three. If Microsoft was the market leader, everyone would be complaining that Microsoft was not allowing crossplay and that Sony and Nintendo were working together to do it. And this comes down to like, it's not even so much console fanboyism and it's more about wanting the winner to lose and it's this thing we've talked about this before in hate of the weeks it's this ingrained thing in us as human beings this dark part of us as humans that we want successful people to fail because it makes us feel better about ourselves and our shitty lives and i feel like it's part of that like sony is winning they are winning because microsoft fucked up their messaging Sony is winning because they have far better exclusive games, far more exclusive games. And Nintendo isn't winning. One, they came out later. They're a more niche kind of product, that kind of thing. And so now, instead of like, oh, Sony is the good guy. They're doing all these amazing things with single-player games, whatever else. They're the bad guys because they aren't having cross-play. Like, this one issue is what's making people hate Sony. There are other things, like, their online network is not amazing. The PlayStation Store, I hate using. Like, I have a lot of complaints about Sony's service, but, like, this one thing that is current makes them the bad guys. And, like... I see people in the giant bomb Facebook group of like, yet another example of Sony fucking over their consumers. And I'm like, what other examples of this are there? Like, what <laughs> Name other ones. Like, I don't understand this message of Sony's always been the bad guy. Like, everyone was saying that about Microsoft last generation. It's that whoever is on top is the bad guy, just arbitrarily. So I don't know. And, and again, I am not arguing that Sony should not have crossplay. They're at a point now where it makes sense. Everyone else is doing it. They need to just do it. It's good for consumers. Yeah. But this vilification of Sony and this pretending that Sony has always been out to fuck you over is absurd to me. That was point number three. Yeah. <laughs> any other any other hot takes on this? I mean, like, I, I agree with everything you've said and... I, too, am very frustrated, and I don't think it's because I'm a Sony fanboy, per right. se. I mean, it is my platform of choice, because, um, like, I've bought into their ecosystem for so long. Right. Um, but it, it is it is frustrating because it feels unwarranted. 
M- right. Much much like my frustration in seeing people speak negatively on David Cage games. Some of the criticism okay. is warranted. And, like, I don't have an issue with that. But people who, like, automatically write it off or generalize or, like, you know, make mountains out of the molehills and stuff. Which I feel like a lot of this complaining is. And, frankly, that's just most of the internet 24-7 is mountains out of molehills. And so. also, to be fair, neither of us give a fuck about Fortnite. Yeah, and neither of us are in a situation where we have other people, to, other people on different consoles to play with on Minecraft or Rocket League or whatever else. Like the games, in, I mean, obviously we love Minecraft, but the games that are in question by and large aren't aren't games we care about. Right. So we're not invested in this issue. Yeah. I completely Destiny understand. Would be great. It'd be great sure. to do cross-platform on Destiny, and that's a great example. If it was possible, that would be cool. But I don't care that much. Right. I'm not, and, and I'm that's, not like, blah, 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 about yeah, it. Like, that, that, I guess, is my point, is people are making this such a huge deal, and I don't know why it is. Because it hasn't been around that long, because it doesn't, it's not even all games, it's only specific games. Like, it just seems weird that this is, like, the watershed, people hate Sony now because they aren't supporting this. It just seems really unjustified to me. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, Sean Layden has come out recently after kind of all this scuttlebutt came out and his statement was quoted. We're, we're hearing it. We're looking at a lot of the possibilities. You can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community while at the same time supporting our business. So obviously he's not promising it's going to happen. I feel like at this point it's going to happen. They're getting such bad PR because of this. They just need to do it. They're not going to lose that much from it. They're not going to gain that much from it either. It's certainly right. not a good story. Like, oh, Sony finally has crossplay. It'll still be in a negative light. But they just have to do it at this point. It is interesting to hear him kind of qualify that. What makes sense for a business, blah, blah, blah. Because when they first came out and addressed it, it was more about... Um, cross like cross buy functionality like when they addressed it it was more about like ps like oh you can do cross play between ps4 and ps vita like that kind of message which clearly was not the point and there was obviously ducking around the problem so at least now they're like directly addressing it we'll see what their solution is no guarantee that it's what people want it to be um but we'll see it'll it'll be interesting to see it well that's not true i won't care it will play out. I, I can't say that it will be interesting to see it play out because I don't care about it. Right. But I know a lot of people do, so whatever. In other broader industry news, recently the World Health Organization quantified gaming as a disorder. Like gaming addiction as a disorder in um, ICD-11, which will be the new kind of CPT diagnosis codes that come out for you know, hospitals and physicians stuff to use. I know all this because I work in healthcare. Yeah. So, so the WHO came out and said they, they, and they've been talking about this for a while, a couple of years. And then especially in the last couple of months of acknowledging gaming addiction as a disorder that can be diagnosed. And that's a pretty big deal. Um, like people could be put on medication for having gaming addiction. So the ESA who kind of is the governing body, the unofficial Um, or I guess it's official, but it's non-governmental government body over gaming, has come out, obviously, in vehement disagreement with this. So I will read their statement. It's kind of long, but it's, it's very interesting. 
Video games across all kinds of genres, devices, and platforms are enjoyed safely and sensibly by more than 2 billion people worldwide, with the educational, therapeutic, and recreational value of games being well-founded and widely recognized. We are therefore concerned to see gaming disorder still contained in the latest version of the WHO's ICD-11, despite significant opposition from the medical and scientific community. The evidence for its inclusion remains highly contested and inconclusive. We hope that the WHO will reconsider the mounting evidence put before them before proposing inclusion of gaming disorder in the final version of ICD-11 ICD to be endorsed next year. We understand that our industry and supporters around the world will continue raising their voices in opposition to this move and urge the WHO to avoid taking steps that would have unjustified implications for national health systems across the world. So this is basically the perspective of the WHO has said this without having facts backing up that gaming disorder is a thing. Like, right. And we've talked about this before, and I'm sure people have read it dozens and dozens of times. Because the government likes to come out and say, video games are bad for our youth. They're making well, them more a, violent. It's a scapegoat for other problems that right. they don't know how to or are unwilling right. to address. Yes. And so you see all these politicians and speakers and people that want to be on fucking Fox News come out and are like, video games make kids more violent. They make give them social disorders. They're more introverted, whatever else. They're losing social skills making them disassociated from reality, causing bipolar. There is no fact to back this up. Every study that has been done, every scientifically founded study that has been done, finds no correlation with any of those things. Which is why it's crazy to see the World Health Organization come out and be like, yeah, we know there's like all the data that says this isn't true, but we're just going to say it is. Like, it just seems like a fucking weird thing to do. Yeah. Not only that, like, it's, it's imp like addiction is a real thing, obviously. Addiction to gaming is a real thing, obviously. The problem is, like, is it, is it a disorder? That's where the problem comes. Is it something that should be diagnosed and treated with medication? Like, that seems weird. Yeah. The other issue with this, the current proposal for gaming disorder lists it as gaming 20 hours a week or more. Which, if you break it down, is a little less than three hours per day. That's a lot. That's a lot of video game time. But that's not an insane amount of video game time. How many people do you know that watch TV more than three hours a day or more than 20 hours a week? A lot of people. Are we going to come out and say that there's TV disorder? TV addiction? So it's like, what, what's the difference there? I would just like to say, on Steam alone, not counting PlayStation 4, 3DS, and Switch stuff, for me... In the past two weeks, Steam has recorded 64 hours of playtime. You have a disorder, buddy. Give start me that Vicodin or Start paying whatever 100 bucks a month to Big Pharma so you can get your drugs to yep. reduce your gaming time. Well, I don't think I'm their target demographic because I can't fucking swallow pills, so <laughs> bite me. <laughs> They'll make a liquid version. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I, like, this just, it's just... It's one of those things where, like, it's they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They don't. And it's the World Health Organization. Like, if, it, if this was Trump or, like, some Fox News anchor, that's one thing. But this is the World Health Organization going directly against every scientific foundation of data that we have on gaming. And they're just like, nah, we're good. It is addictive. 
Like, it makes no sense to me. My son won't stop playing Fortnite in it's his what classes. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's a like a, a bunch. I mean, we need to see who the leadership of the WHO is. Because <laughs> I have a hunch that maybe it's a bunch of moms. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's crazy to me. It's one of those things that were, it's like the whole net neutrality thing. It's like, it, I, I literally cannot comprehend how they think this is good or right. Or justified. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. Yeah. It's either a bunch of Stepford moms or a group of highly disgruntled, dissatisfied with their life choices fathers. <laughs> or like sure. 50 to 60 age okay. range. You know, who come home from work every day. They're tired. They're unhappy. They're not attracted to their wife anymore. They have My two kids. kids that, playing video yeah, games. They're, no, they're, they're not contributing. I got to pay all the, the bills. It's all on me. <laughs> Fucking video games. It's the game's fault. Not my choices. Yeah. yeah. I don't have it's, the power to stop it as a parent to positively so influence my child's life and their activities. So weird. Yeah. Video games are the problem. Yep. <laughs> So that's our uh, industry is fucked up update of the episode. Does that count as hate of the week? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's count that as hate of the okay. week. I actually, I actually don't have a hate of the week. I was thinking about it. We went over to some friend's house um, last night just to, like hang out and have dinner, and we were having like some really good conversations about you know you know topical stuff. And so this morning when I was putting together some of the notes on the podcasting about hate of the week, I was like, I'm just not up for it. I'm just not up for that negativity. <laughs> I can't be that negative right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, I, mean, I just can't. And, and like, I mean, we were, we, we weren't being negative about the conversations last night, but we got into like a lot of like real shit, you know what I mean? And I just, I'm not up for doing that again right now. <laughs> and like, it, not to go on a whole diatribe about hate of the week, but like it started, this is a Shea Hates Everything podcast. It started as a fun opportunity for me to rant about a trivial topic. It hasn't always been that. A lot of times it becomes more about like real issues, which like are important. I have views. I want to talk about those. But I don't always feel like this is the platform for that, nor do I always feel like I'm ready to talk about those things. And so for Hate of the Week moving forward, I'm going to try to keep it to the more fun, trivial side of things. Just that's, that's just a PSA. I feel like we've had a lot of really good conversations about Hate of the Week stuff, but I also feel like we've had plenty of conversations that have gone in directions where I'm not happy with, or like I, I, I listen to it later, I'm like, ooh, I didn't say this the way I wanted to say it, or ooh, I feel like this could be misconstrued, misconstrued as something else. And I just don't want that to kind of like weigh down that segment. I don't want it to become too real. That's just not really the point of this podcast. Anyway, that's my thing about hate of the week. No hate of the week this week. Let's let's call the World Health Organization hate of the week. Fucking <laughs> gaming disorder is hate of the week. How about that? Yeah. So you mentioned Steam surfacing kind of your playtime. Yeah. They also have a new algorithm where if you want, I don't know why anyone would want to, but if you want, you can see how much money you've spent on Steam, or at least I guess it's how much money you have added to your Steam wallet. Yeah. So. I went ahead and looked. I knew mine wouldn't be crazy. They were talking about this in the Giant Bomb Facebook group. A lot of people, you know, several thousand dollars. I'm only at like 800 bucks, which makes more sense because I don't play a ton of PC games. Um, I haven't even had my like Steam account. I think I, I opened up a Steam account because we got our PC probably five years ago. So it's not like I've been on the platform for a long time. You're giving me a sprinkled face. I know you've spent a lot more than $800 <laughs> on Steam. Do you want to guess? Let's play the um, let's play um, 
cold or hot? You you guess. I'll tell you cold or hot. 2,000. Cold. Wait. Are you supposed to give me high or low? Not cold or hot. Okay, fine. Uh, higher. Uh, $2,800. Higher. $3,400. Higher. $4,000. Oh, no, Kyle. You're just complaining about budgeting. Uh, $4,500. What? $4,500. Just keep going. <laughs> Not $5,000. Oh, keep going. Oh, my God. Kyle. $5,600. Right on the money. Almost exactly $5,600 as of today. Over the so course of spent, ten years, you've you've spent okay. So so I've been on Steam for five years. You've been on Steam for ten years. So you've spent seven times as much as I have. So let's call it based on the time. You've spent three and a half times as much, or three and a half times as much money. I've spent an average of basically forty-seven dollars a month for the past ten years on Steam. I don't even know what to say. Um, How many of those games have you played? Very clearly impressed. That's the thing. How many of those games have you played? <clears throat> well, I've played. Okay, played or beat? Played. Like played any significant amount of time. Like okay. a couple minutes doesn't count as being played. Um, well, I would say there's probably some of them I played a couple minutes and didn't like. Um, right. One, two, three, four, five. I mean, it's hard to say really. I have about forty games on my backlog right now. A few of them are ones that i've played before just want to play again how many games do you do you own on steam oh god um like 300 more more than that games 532 it's a lot of games it's i i imagine games. you have probably played less than 20 percent of those in any significant amount mm. that's so many games maybe more than like maybe maybe call it like 30 you've probably played like 30 percent of those games no i've definitely played over half of them really oh yeah that's a lot yeah i wonder i wonder if there's a algorithm to show your total play time across your account that's a figure I want to see. Because oh, then I can be. weigh it against the money spent and be like, oh, right. okay. oh X amount of dollars per hour. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm well, going to yeah, guess I mean, it's like, still pretty high. If I have 500 high. hours alone in Unturned. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of, that's that I would, as a marketing person, I would call that bad data. Um, so also, like, because that's an outlier. Well, yeah, but it would make me feel better, Shay, because <laughs> of the outliers. Yeah. I would not um, include also, that. Also, Unturned a was a free game. <laughs> oh god. But you have spent money on it though, right? Yeah, I've spent yeah. money. Like yeah. you can buy the gold version for like a few right. bucks to like support the creator and I've bought like skins and sold skins and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's $5600, my man. It's too much. That is too much money. It's more than the total amount of money we have so far paid on our home. Yep. But- Ten years is a long time, dude. Okay. But think about that. That's five an extra $500 a year you could have had. And I'm not like, obviously, I wouldn't suggest don't buy any video games. You know the but best part about it? Even if you cut that in half, that's an extra $200, $250 a year. Y- right? y- you want right to know the best part about this? 
Yeah. This does not count console games. Right. Or digital sales on consoles. It also right. doesn't even count, like, Origins and other PC platforms I bought stuff on. Yep. It's purely on Steam. Yep. That's too much. That's I play nice. a lot of video games. I think I have a disorder. Uh, yeah, clearly. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a video game disorder. I call it a spending disorder. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, okay, so into the actual video game news. So, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. Not at E3. Originally mm-hmm. announced three years ago. We haven't really seen anything in like over a year, officially. More than that, I think. The director, Tetsuya Nomura, who I think is also the director on Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, in an interview was asked about Final Fantasy VII. And he came out and was like, yeah, we've just been focused on marketing Kingdom Hearts. Like, Final Fantasy VII's coming along fine. To which I say, bullshit. <laughs> I do not believe that for a fucking second. That it's going fine. You announced it three years ago. If it's going fine, why the fuck isn't it out yet? So, see, I view this as an Elder Scrolls Six announcement. It was announced three years ago in that... Hey, shut up. Yes, we finally agreed to c- pull resources together to make it. Like, it was not... They didn't know what they were going to do with it. Like, they talked about it in the years since, like, how it's going to be structured, like, episodic and stuff. But that was, like, so early on in the process that I don't even know if that's the case anymore. I don't trust that's any my of that point. information. That's my point. I mean, it's we still going to happen. so little. <laughs> at, this point, at this point, I am operating under the assumption that that game will never come out. Until they actually fully unveil what the fuck it is, show us actual gameplay, and give us a release date that is less than a year out, I am assuming that game, it will not come out. I would be very sad. So would I. Well, I don't know about that, because we don't know anything about the game. Maybe it's going to suck. We have no idea what this game is. It's going to come out, and it's going to be good. They haven't showed it in official capacity in over a year. Official capacity. These are just words. It's gonna be great. That's that's true. They are words. What? Oh, sh- what is that? Um, thing for Kingdom Hearts. It'll be great. What is the rest of that line? It comes before it. It's Ky- Kyrie no saying it. Talking about. Kyrie says it in the first Kingdom Hearts. It's like one of her. I don't remember. Whatever. Anyways. Hopefully, Kingdom Hearts will be great, at least. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, BDSM butthole portal Mickey has me tingling. Right. (laughs) Uh, So, talking about Telltale and how their games don't fucking work. Allegedly, after The Walking Dead, the final season, ships this year. I think the first episode comes out this year. Like, next month, maybe. After that game ships, they're going to take some time off and completely just, like, redo their engine. So, yeah. I mean, this should have happened five years ago. But <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, at least they're doing it now. And because Wolf Among Us was originally supposed to launch in 2018, they pushed back to 2019. And the rumor is that that's the reason why they're waiting is because they're retooling the engine. Obviously, I'm very much in support of this. Not only so that their games run well, or at least don't run terribly, but I could also use a break kind of from Telltale. Yeah. So I was going through my PS Plus games the other day. Um, which is a really cool thing I didn't realize Sony had added, where you could you can, on the PlayStation Store, you can look up all of your PS Plus games and download them direct from there. Nice. So I was scrolling through to see, like, oh, is there, are there any I kind of want to go back and play? And I realized, oh, the Batman Telltale series I got for free, which I haven't played. 
And I was like, ooh, I would like to play that, but I kind of don't want to just because I'm sick of Telltale's stuff. Yeah, Batman's okay. It does a couple extra mechanics related stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure it's fine. Like very few of the Telltale games I actively haven't liked. Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the worst one I've played, but like I'm just kind of bored with their stuff. Yeah. Um so not even just to remake the engine, but just to give me a break from their games, I would appreciate. It'd be cool to see them branch out like Don't Nod did with Vampire and make and a like different make kind a, of style, more yeah. of a game. It'd be interesting. Well, don't not. I mean, don't not made. Remember me before they yeah, did Life that's is Strange. It's not like yes, that was they, their, they have a track record. Shtick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. In Star Wars EA news, I read two different reports that kind of tie together. So first, Amy Hennig kind of came out in an interview and said that she because originally, for folks that don't remember, EA was having an Amy Hennig led studio partially visceral games working on a single player star wars game that uh was built off of the foundation of star wars 1313 and we saw a little trailer for this game where like i think it was the moss Eisley, like a little dude or a little uh han solo looking guy like walks out and kind of he's kind of holding the gun whatever else that game there's a ton of behind the scenes stories that came out via kotaku and jason schreier about that that game wasn't really coming together, and that's why it was canceled. It wasn't that it was a single-player game. It's that the game wasn't coming together well. Yeah, I I assume... I mean, this is, like... This is me extrapolating based off of little information, but I have to assume it's because of EA's big push as games as a service. They wanted to fundamentally change stuff with the structure of the game and had restrictions on things and yes. that just didn't fit with the vision, I would imagine. I have also read that, and this is all from, like, anonymous interviews, that Amy Hennig had a very different idea of what the game should be than her subordinates. And so there was a lot of friction creatively between them, and the teams just weren't working that well together. So we don't know. I mean, it's all rumors and hearsay, whatever else. The reality is that game was canceled. Yeah. Amy Hennig has come out. Because the question was, like, they closed down Visceral. So the question was, like, what's Amy Hennig doing? Is she working on a new studio with EA, whatever else? So she came out and said she's no longer with EA at all, and she, in fact, has not worked with them since January. So she's been out for a long time and is starting her own studio. And I guess she said, like, they might focus on, like, a VR project first, doing indie-style kind of stuff. So that was kind of part A of the story. Part B was about what's happening with all that stuff right now. So Jade Raymond and her studio was kind of working with Amy Hennig and Visceral on this game. And whatever assets existed of this Star Wars game that was being worked on was handed over through Jade Raymond. And they brought on, uh, shit, who was it? It was EA Vancouver, who has done... Historically, like they did, like the SSX games, some racing games, some sports games. Right. And so it was like, why are they taking on a Star Wars project? And we don't, we didn't know like what the project was, but we just knew that they were taking over the reins of whatever existed before, and were going to retool their own thing. So did Van E Vancouver do Steep? I did not see that in the Game Informer story, but okay. that sounds like that. My, no, Steep was Steep was Ubisoft. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I just recalled that. Um, so yeah, so Jade Raymond came out and said, like addressing kind of that question of like, what the hell is this game? Who is making it? EA Vancouver seems like a weird fit. Is it a racing game? Like, what's going on? And she was like, well, actually, EA Vancouver was always helping us 
with the Star Wars game. So they're just taking over the lead development now. And they've brought on other folks that have more experience. Because this game is now going to be kind of like an open world game. My anticipation, this is purely a gut instinct. When you look at Activision having a game like Destiny. When you look at um, Ubisoft having a game like The Division. And when you have EA having Anthem come out. Going into that more games as a service, open world, whatever else. She said it's an open world game. My assumption is that it is that games as a service, Destiny style game, but that will be Star Wars. So like a, an MMO light sort of experience. That could be interesting. Purely my assumption based on barely anything, but I, I agree. Like I could be interested in that. See, um, I like when I first saw EA Vancouver, my first thought was, Okay, they've now transformed it into the true sequel to one of the greatest games ever made, Star Wars Pod Racing. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, this is Pod Racing. <laughs> I played that game a couple months ago because I got it. It was some, like, PSN sale oh, where I geez. got, I think I got Pod Racing and, like, um, Jedi Outcast, maybe, and the okay. Boba Fett game. And I got them. They were, like, three bucks each. And I that played Boba a little Fett bit of Pod game, Racing. If the, the Pod level, if the level design was just a little bit better and less yeah. confusing, yeah. it'd be a good game. And the Pod Racing game's not terrible. Like, it's no. pretty fun. It's, it's kind of repetitive, but it's yeah. pretty fun. It's competent. Um, so, anyway, that's kind of, like, where this Star Wars project sticks right now. And she did, Jade Raymond did also say that the studio that's currently working on taking the reins, they have all the old assets for the Amy Hennig Star Wars project. She didn't say specifically like, oh, we're using all of this or some of this or what specifically. But the fact that they do have access to it all is probably a positive. Um, so we'll see what happens with that game. I'm really curious to see. EA has epically bungled the Star Wars license over the past several years. So... Curious to see if they can get that shit back on track. I still cannot, I'm, I do not understand how they have put out so few Star Wars projects and how they have been so fucked. Like Battlefront stuff and like canceling of this game. It's just, it blows my mind. See, they should get back on track by putting the old Visceral team to work on a new Dead Space game. Or, better yet, a Star Wars game in the vein of Dead Space. A horror Star Wars game in the vein of Dead Space. Okay. I feel so bad for the team at Visceral. Because, like, They're it's not so their good. fault. They're talented. It's not their fault what happened. Like, EA made them make sequels to Dead Space, and then they made them make Battlefield Hardline, and then they made them work on the Star Wars game, and then it, when it didn't work, they closed the studio. That just breaks my heart. Because I know that is not... I mean, the fact that none of those things came together like they should, you can certainly put that at the feet of the developers. It's their job to make a good quality product. But... Obviously, they were not working on the things they wanted to work on. Right. And that sucks. That sucks. And you know what? All three of those Dead Space games are great in different ways. Um, having just rewatched our Dead Space 3 co-op bro-op, that game is a hot steaming pile of trash. That game's terrible, Kyle. Dead Space 1 is amazing. One of the best games ever made, in my opinion. Or at least one of my favorite games ever made. Dead Space 2 is very good for what it is, which is a more action-focused game. Dead Space 3 is terrible. There exists no bad piece of Dead Space media. Including the animated short films. The novel. The comic book. The art book. You got for pre-ordering the first game. It's a solid art What about book. Uh, Dead Space Extraction? 
that like on rails first person shooter puzzle thing. That was a very competent on rail first you, no, person shooter you. game. No, no, it fuck was. You. That thing is was, so bad. It was better than that the shitty Resident so Evil one. Oh, I'm not arguing that, but that thing is so terrible. That's basically. I think it was Extraction or Extinction. I don't remember. Yeah, but that on thing is Wii? so terrible. You're full of shit. You're full of something. <laughs> All right, so talking about Star Wars, moving to the worlds of the actual films. This was something that happened a couple weeks ago where there was a report that came out that given the poor performance of the Solo movie, relative poor performance, it still made money, but it wasn't skyrocket like the other Star Wars films, like the Marvel films, etc., that uh, Disney was putting the brakes on the Star Wars stuff. So we talked about this, it was two episodes ago, I think, that there are nine Star Wars projects that we know of that are in the works. The episode nine... The Boba Fett movie, Obi-Wan movie, the Ryan Johnson trilogy, and the D.B. Weiss, Weiss and um, David Benioff, Game of Thrones guys, their trilogy. That Disney was saying, okay, let's focus on episode nine, and then we'll figure it out. And that was kind of the report that came out. Well, Disney can and I, this was very encouraging to me, obviously, because there are too many Star Wars movies happening too close together. The quality is bad. I would be happy if after episode nine, we did not see another Star Wars movie for like three years and let them retool. That sounded like a great decision. Well, Disney came out and was like, no, dude, that rumor's not, not true. We actually have even more Star Wars movies we're working on that we haven't announced yet. Yo, dog. I heard Yo, you, like, I Star heard you like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, fuck, man. We, we outfitted you with some Star Wars, but on top of the other Star Wars. We got Star Wars on your Star Wars. Yep. Uh, so... More Star Wars. Hooray. Like, I cannot believe I live in a world now where I am not excited about more Star Wars movies. I cannot express to you how sad and depressed that makes me. But we're going to get, I mean, fucking more Star Wars, bro. So much Star Wars. Buckle up. I've got Um, a bad feeling about this. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of giving us too many movies in a franchise that are unjustified... Jared Leto is going to be starring in a Morbius movie who is a vampire Spider-Man villain. Everyone loves Morbius. (laughs) Oh, my favorite TV show from the 90s. (laughs) Morbius is a shitty character, just period. Much like a fucking Morbius movie starring Jared Leto. Is this a joke? This sounds like an April Fool's joke. And it's obviously, (laughs) obviously this stems from Sony giving the rights back to Marvel to include Spider-Man in the, in the cinematic universe stuff. I'm sure Sony is making bank on that partnership, but Sony still owns the exclusive rights to the rest of Spider-Man. So that's why we're getting this Venom movie. And now this fucking Morbius movie. They're working on a Silk movie, who is a female sidekick-esque type thing, who is a relatively new character to Spider-Man. Which, that could be cool. Female-led superhero movie, whatever. But... They're obviously trying to get everything they can out of the Spider-Man franchise. The problem is, Spider-Man's not involved in any of these. Right. <laughs> like, the thing that ties them all together doesn't exist. It just seems like grasping at straws. Like, the only reason you would be interested in those things is as part of this larger world. Of Spider-Man. And all the other Marvel stuff. Yeah. I would argue that even just, like just a spider-man world like it just isn't good enough anymore in a world where like where we now have all these marvel movies that tie together and they reference each other even in just small ways or they acknowledge Mm -hmm. events and stuff 
like to have something that's its own separate like i don't know e- ecosystem of stuff happening like it doesn't it's not exciting mm-hmm. yep jared leto as morbius like i thought i legitimately thought it was a joke article when i saw that announcement i'm sure it's gonna be great um one thing i am sure is gonna be great is disenchantment which we talked about a couple episodes ago, the new Matt Groening series on Netflix. Yes. So they put out a teaser trailer. It's just like a little 35-second thing. Frankly, there's not that much to it. Um, it just kind of introduces the main character. But it got my hype all back up again. So it comes out in August. I can't wait. I want to watch it. Oh, yeah. And then finally, Showtime has again announced their Halo TV series. So this was like announced a couple of years ago, I think, that they were working on this, that Spielberg was executive producing. That was like, like six years ago. I know. And like it kind of went dark. And I guess the whole time they've been figuring it out. But they did come out and say like it's official now. It's a 10 episode series. They named the showrunner who, just as a little tidbit, uh, it's Kyle Killen is the showrunner who I met in uh with Dreamriders when we went to the Austin Television Festival. He's one of the judges for oh. the pitch competition. Did you and tell we've had him he some, was like, killing it? Yeah, yeah, killing it. We've had some uh, kind of email correspondence with him because he was—he really liked the idea and kind of—he basically was like, "If you guys have any other ideas, let me know. I'd love to work with you guys." So we sent him like a list of like six or seven other projects ideas we had, and he was like, oh, "I'm not sure they're a fit for any of me, but keep me in the loop." Which we took as like, "Oh, okay. Well, never mind then." Right. <laughs> but it was still cool. They're like, "Oh, the Halo series. I—I've met this guy. He doesn't remember me, but I know him." Um, <laughs> And they're going to start full production for this in 2019. So it's happening. The Halo show is happening. And it's a Showtime show. We'll see how this comes together. Like, this could be very cool. I know there was the, um, like, the direct-to-DVD Halo thing. What was that called? Oh, that was yes. A- yeah. I don't remember what it was called. But the actually, actually, not awful. Not awful. Yeah, I feel like you didn't hate it. I, I watched little bits of it because the, the main girl in it was from uh, Narnia. The yes, Narnia movies. the Chronicles of Narnia movies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing I remember. Oh, and wait, isn't the dude, the, the big black guy, isn't he Luke Cage? Yes. Yes, that's the other thing. That's the other connection. Yeah, well, he also played, I th- he was also one of the characters in Halo 5. Oh, really? Interesting. Guardians, yeah. Oh, cool! Because the TV show was before Guardians, so they must have tied that back in. He, it was the was it the same character that he played? Yeah, hmm. that's neat. I think that's true. That feels true, so yeah. it must be true. <laughs> so we'll see. The fact that it's Showtime makes me a little more interested because I mean they they do pretty high quality TV, so I'm curious. And obviously, the being on Showtime is going to give them a bigger budget, Game of Thrones esque kind of budget where you can do this big sci fi story. So right, that's neat. Well, wait, no, no, no. The, the Halo movie thing was actually separate. That was the thing that he was in was a Halo miniseries, a web miniseries. Yes, yes. that's what it was. Also, right. Michael Key. No, what? Who, who's who's a Key? Like Key and Peel? Key, or maybe it was uh, Peel. Who's the tall, George, thin one? Uh, Michael Keegan Key. Michael Keegan Key. He yes. did. Um, before Halo came out, he did a series of web podcasts that were like. He was like this in-universe journalist, kind of like the events leading up to like where is Master Chief, what's going on, because that was the big thing. Was like where's Master Chief? Like he's he's disappeared. That was the big marketing thing leading up to five. Okay. Um, 
And so he Must, did. The, he, it was not a big marketing thing because I've never heard of it. Yeah. So he. <laughs> so the, part of it was like he he did these uh, podcasts about mm-hmm. like kind of like uh, coming across this old UNSC base right. and like finding these documents and stuff. It's interesting. Interesting idea. Okay. So we'll see how the show comes together. Yeah. Finally. So last episode, we talked about all the big E3 games. Since then, on ShadesEverything.com, I put out an article of the 45 biggest E3 games, in my estimation. Couldn't get to 50, huh? The, no. I started with, I think we talked about this. huh? Yeah, because there were like 64 that <laughs> okay. I had, and I kind of whittled it down. And I thought about sticking to 50, and, but there were a couple that I wasn't that excited about. And I really only wanted to make it games that I am excited about. Okay. Death Stranding did not make the list. So it's the 45 best games. It wasn't just like the biggest announcements. It was, in my estimation, the 45 best games. Okay. And that's part of why I trimmed it down. Because Death Stranding was on the list. And I was like, I don't, I'm not excited for the, I don't want to write about this. So anyway. So that's on ShadesEverything.com. I also did two posts. One of the 10 biggest missing games from E3, which are games that were previously announced that we did not see updates on. Final Fantasy VII Remake being one of them. And then I did another post of the seven game reveals that were supposed to happen and did not. So this was about rumors leading up to the show of new, like Splinter Cell is a perfect example of that. Yeah, I did cheat a little bit. I included the Respawn Star Wars game as one of those because I don't really count that as an announcement for him to just be like, yep, this game exists. Here's the name of it. Bye. Like that doesn't really <laughs> count as away. an announcement. So I included that as a bonus, I guess. But I kind of wanted to talk through these just briefly and see if there are any other ones that jumped out to you, Kyle. So when it came to missing games that have previously been announced, Red Dead Dead Redemption 2, obviously we knew that wasn't going to be there. Yeah, Rockstar Rockstar doesn't do it. Um, The Crystal Dynamics Avengers game, which was teased last year. Yeah. Which we did not get any update on. I was like strangely excited about hearing something on this because I have fond memories of Ultimate Alliance. Yeah. Uh, Borderlands 3, which technically has not been announced. We know they're working on it. They have said we're working on the thing you want us to be working on. Yeah. They showed at GDC last year some tech in the world of the game, but they haven't officially said Borderlands 3 exists. It obviously exists. And Randy Pitchford, the head of Gearbox, did come out and say Borderlands 3 would not be at E3. So... I'm wondering what's going on with that game. I know they've been working on it for a couple of years. I'm kind of wondering why we haven't seen more, if something's happening or they're taking a different direction, whatever else. Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we talked about. Wild, which is a uh, Michelle Ancel game that was going to be Ubisoft published. This was announced a couple of years ago as well. It was like an open world um, yes. where like you, it was like a like very tribal Yeah, you take over different animals, right? Yeah. And this was, this was announced before Beyond Good and Evil 2 was announced. And so, obviously, he's focusing on that game. I brought it up because I'm hoping that it wasn't canceled. I'm hoping that it's just, like, on the back burner. What was that game? It was at the same E3. What was that game they showed? It had something to do with going through different ages in history. And one of them was, like, the evolution of primates and stuff like that. Like, they didn't show it during a conference it was in one of like the after show things like one of the panels oh i don't know what was that i want to say that was two years ago maybe three 
Yeah, I don't remember what that was. I just re- I have this vivid memory of these like old projector stills of apes and like Charles Darwin and sketches okay. and stuff. That's sounding vaguely familiar. I don't know what it was, but I'm picturing it in my head. Yeah, and some guy bit. talking like concept level yeah. what the game is. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I had on there was Witchfire, which was announced at yeah. the Game Awards last year. That so it hasn't a been that sick long. Sick ass trailer. Yeah, because so like the trailer when it started, it was like from the creators the, of Dear, um, it was Dear Esther, right? No, it was um, Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Oh, Vanishing of Ethan Carter. And it's Carter. like, it, it was like a very horror gothic vibe of just like a first person like walking. walking and you're like, okay, like, oh, okay, this is okay, going to be cool. another like horror mystery, whatever else. And then it goes, and the creators of Bulletstorm. And then, and then the dude pulls out a shotgun <laughs> and starts fucking shotgunning all these like oh, demons. And I was like, okay. What a great fucking yes. trailer that was. It was an amazing oh, trailer. Such so, a good idea. obviously... They just like obviously that was all like pre-rendered. It wasn't actual gameplay. We haven't seen that much or anything really since then. I wasn't like shocked to not see it at E3. It was more just like a I would have liked to because that game looks rad as hell. Yeah. Um. And then it's a bunch of Nintendo stuff. Metroid Prime Four. Yeah. Where the fuck is that thing? Core Pokemon game, which we know now is in 2019, and right. obviously they focus on Pokemon Let's Go. I get why it wasn't there, but it was disappointing. Well, it, they um, couldn't possibly have had room for it after all that Smash Brothers shit. There's just <laughs> right. no more room for anything. <laughs> right. Uh, Yoshi, which was supposed to come out this year and got delayed to 2019, yeah. which I think they announced the delay after their direct, which also makes sense why it wasn't there because it was delayed. And uh, Bayonetta 3 being the biggest one. Um, and Kirby. Well, I wrote that and I forgot. That game actually did come out, Kirby Star Allies. So when they announced oh, okay. it, when they announced it, it was just a Kirby game. But then once they revealed more, then it, it be, that game became Kirby Star Allies. Boy, I didn't even know game. that. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. Because they announced the Kirby game two years ago. And then last year, they had retooled it as Kirby Star Allies. Okay. I forgot that. I, I, in my mind, thought that that original Kirby game still existed. Right. And when I was so doing research I. for this article, I realized, oh, it became Kirby Star Allies. I just forgot to change our sheet. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, those were kind of my big ones that were missed. Obviously, there's a bunch of games that have been announced that weren't at E3, but these were kind of like the biggest ones for me. And then as far as the rumors go, obviously, we talked about the Star Wars Respawn game, which I know was a cheat. But also, Splinter Cell was a big one that was in the Walmart leak. Everyone thought it was going to be announced at Ubisoft, and then it wasn't. Um, Animal Crossing, which I know was one that you were really hyped for. Yeah. Makes sense why they wouldn't show it because Nintendo clearly learned from last year when they announced a bunch of games that were really early and we didn't see anything more from them this year. I'm glad that they did not announce any new games because I didn't want them to repeat that cycle where like, hey, they announced a new Animal Crossing and then we don't hear about it again for another year and a half. That would be frustrating. Similarly with the Star Wars or the Star Fox Grand Prix racing game, which was still, it was just a rumor that um, Retro, that was going to be the new Retro game. Because Retro is not working on Metroid Prime 4. And the rumor was that they were working on a Star Fox game and that that Star Fox game was a racing game. That was not announced. That might still actually be the game they're working on. We just don't know yet. Um, Fable 4 was one that was talked about a lot because Microsoft's kind of dipping back into a lot of their old IP. I say they didn't announce it, but they kind of did. They did hint at it. They did hint at it, yes. 
Um, and, and we talked about this during the E3 recap, but that Black Desert, when that trailer started, that's what I thought it was. Right. I thought it was Fable 4. And then um, the Rocksteady game, which there was a couple days, I think, or a week before E3, there was a little poster that had Rocksteady on it, and it said, um, shit, what was it? It was Superman, but it was like, fuck, I don't remember. I need to look it up. But the rumor was that Rocksteady was working on a Superman game. Ben Affleck is Superman. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because Superman did appear in Arkham Knight? Was that the Okay, did he? Yes, he did appear. I think he was like in a teaser at the end. Oh, okay. Damn it, I'm trying to look for this image, but I'm not seeing it. Fuck, what was it? Because it wasn't All-Star Superman, but it was World's Finest, which is a comic series. Um, Superman World's Finest, where he teams up with Batman a lot and, and Wonder Woman. So this is Batman and Superman. We don't know that. We don't know that. That was just the, the it was a really blurry picture where it looked like a poster for that. And it said Superman World's Finest on it with Rocksteady. Okay. It could be fake. It could be a million different things. We don't know what they're working on. The original rumor was that after Batman, they were going to work on a Justice League game which could still be the case. I also would not be surprised to see them change direction because of the re- the reception of the Justice League movie. I would not want to be associated with that movie. So it could be a Superman game, whatever. I mean, Rockstar, Rocksteady, they're a talented studio. I kind of would prefer them to do something very different and not DC superhero-related just because it feels pretty similar still. Yeah. Um, but we were expecting to see the unveiling of their next game because it's been a long time and that didn't happen. And then finally, this was a little bit rumor. It was more hope than rumor, but new Bioshock yeah. didn't happen. I'm pretty bummed. Maybe next year. The rumor is that they're working on it, that 2K has the Mafia 3 people working on it, some other folks, but didn't happen, unfortunately. So, like I said, no hate of the week. Um, I did want to say, uh, obviously, send emails, info at shayhateseverything.com. You can send a message at the Facebook page, slash shayhateseverything, or message me on Twitter, at shay underscore castle, like Adam did. He responded to when I posted the last podcast and asked, what was our favorite game from E3? Which I realized we didn't really definitively say. We kind of talked about a lot of the cool ones. Okay. But for me, having only seen the press conferences and the gameplay demos, obviously not being at the show and getting the behind-the-scenes stuff, for me, it was The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, me too. That trailer just did so much for me, man. It was so I, fucking amazing. I, and it like like so good. Yeah, and like we talked about, like this is the sequel to one of the greatest games ever made. Yep. Kind of hard not to be really hyped about that. Yep. So yeah. Oh yeah. That would definitely be the one. Can't wait. I mean, C- Cyberpunk looks amazing. There are a lot of other games that look and like they could be very cool. Obviously, Elder Scrolls Six. I'm very excited for Starfield. I'm very excited for, but. In terms of like seeing actual meat of a game that is real, it's got to be The Last of Us. I, mm, oh, man. Oh, baby. So, well, cool. We had another crazy long podcast because there was so much stuff to catch up on. So, next yeah. week we should be hopefully back to normal around the two-hour range instead of three and a half. But um, we will close the episode, as always, with something we don't hate. And I'll say I don't hate... Finally checking off the tedious to-do list things. Like I mentioned, I'm going to get my suit. Need to get the stuff for your wedding. I um, need to get an eye doctor appointment set up because I wanted to get some new frames. Because my vision insurance will pay for new frames for me, which is awesome. So I finally am setting up an appointment to go next week 
So like a lot of that adult shit I don't want to do that have I've been procrastinating on, I'm finally doing it. And not that it's fun to do it, but it's fun and nice to not have to think about it yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. And have Kelly have, have Kelly bother me about doing it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so today I don't hate Dairy Queen's hot fudge sundae with extra hot fudge. Oh damn, Ooh, dude. Mama. Don't do that to me. We just oh. talked about this meal plan for 20 minutes. I can't have a hot fudge. Don't do that to me. Live a little. And Ugh, then ice cream live a little worst. now so you can live a little less later. <laughs> right. Not <laughs> only is it so bad for you, but I'm also lactose intolerant. That's like the worst. I'm going to be paying for it in my stomach on the outside and the inside <laughs> if I have a hot fudge Sunday. Speaking of, boy howdy, do I need to use the restroom. So let's wrap <laughs> her up. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Kyle, thanks for joining, as always. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out. Peace out.